0: to Freaks and Creeks, a Dawson's Creek podcast, the show where four millennials who missed the boat 25 years ago take the dive for the first time. Join us as we experience the series of the Fresh Perspective week to week and see if our adolescent experiences match up with Dawson and the gang. My name is Cody.
1: I'm Stella. I'm Mallory.
2: And I am James. And this week, we're going to be talking about Season 2, Episode 3, Alternative Lifestyles. But... I believe we have some Capeside correspondence this week. Woo! Indeed we do.
3: This week we received a wonderful email from a fan of the pod since day one, Chris. Chris says, It's incredible to realize that you're shedding some new insights into a show I've watched more times than I care to admit. And I'm not talking about your vampire theory, which I wholeheartedly (laughs) believe after so much evidence about it. (laughs) You are bringing a fresh breath to us all, and I love to discuss your ideas and opinions with other fans when a new episode is uploaded. Keep this fantastic podcast coming. I will continue laughing with you and learning things I didn't know I needed to learn about my all-favorite series. Wow. Wow. And I also want to note, Chris mentioned that when most people within the fandom uh, refer to the, quote, core four, they aren't including Dawson in it. So mm. I'm super curious to find out how the group evolves and what that means.
4: Mitch. <laughs> <Yeah.
3: laughs> oh. Well, oh, sorry. I also wonder if it's like
1: it. it is talking about da, like it does include Dawson, but he's actually just not
2: a part right. of you know, it. Like, I, I don't, think he's executed.
1: I, like. I don't know if someone actually replaces him.
3: Oh, you like, think they mean by that they mean that, like, he's it's just the not, core four, but like, no one, like, he's on the
2: outside? He's, uh, he's on the an outside? Outsider. I wonder. Maybe. I
3: wonder. Yeah, it could. That's my could theory. That. I wonder. could not. be stupid, but. No, I, I like that theory.
0: <laughs> no one's thought is stupid. I think <laughs> he gets murdered at the end of season two. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's a very Ned Stark game of th- oh, spoilers Whoa. for Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> Ned Stark dies at the end of season one and it's going to be a very similar scene. We're going to have Dawson's son uh, in yes. the crowd being like, where is he? Where is he? And then the royalty of Pacey <laughs> and mm. uh, Andy, they'll uh, chop Dawson's head off wow. on a stage.
2: I'd it's it's love a, to see it. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of in-universe time in season two then because.
0: <laughs> a lot of time jumps.
2: <laughs> he doesn't wow. have a kid yet, but maybe he will. Well, I think that we should actually encourage people to do a Freaks and Creeks re-listen podcast. <laughs> so going off of Chris's email, Chris says that they like to talk about the episode with all their friends. Record that conversation and put it totally, out, my yeah. friends. That and sounds, then
1: we listen to that. Yes.
2: And then a response to the response to the response <laughs> podcast. Never ends. Yes.
3: Those mirrors.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so also, we got our first ever gift oh boy not that we like i was never anticipating anyone to give us a
2: gift i was (laughs) very disappointed it took this long (laughs) (laughs)
1: um it's very very exciting friend of the show delaney got us a very sweet et stuffed animal doll like exactly like one of the ones that dawson has you can see we'll post a photo from the show and then we'll post photos of us with E.T. Yes. We just did a little mini photo shoot um, for you all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We got to do a group one.
0: Um, and then for, uh, not safe for work, sexy one. Yes.
2: <laughs> That'll be on our OnlyFans.
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot of podcasts out there have Patreons. We have an OnlyFans. <laughs> oh my god,
1: Can you imagine? Um, so thank you so, so much, Delaney. So sweet and thoughtful and like really sincerely made me emotional i was like oh my god that is so kind
2: really Um, compliments the recording room i think it's going to bring a lot of dawson's creek energy
1: yeah and just before we started recording we actually talked about starting to get some hook posters maybe just like start making this room dawson's Mm -hmm. room
2: gonna get a canoe bookshelf
1: yep
0: we're going to have to make sure that James and I, like, exercise a lot so we get that, like, male sweat smell. Yes. That we Ew. know yeah, Dawson's oh, room smells nice like.
2: Nice and stinky in here. That'd some be cool. mannequin heads. Yeah. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. I'll we'll have to plans. find some little neighborhood girl to lock in the closet, I guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> get, a, get a ladder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, um, and I want to shout out Delaney's um, Instagram. She does this really cool um photography she has a photography account of like really cool artsy food stuff um you can find her at delaney's food photos i'm going to spell it out for you because it is a complicated one delaney is spelled d as in dog e l a n e y i know she loves dogs (laughs) s (laughs) p h o o d f o t o s
0: can you smell that again?
1: <laughs> Delaney's food photos, everyone. We'll put it on the couch. I never account. noticed yeah.
3: she did the pH and then the F. Account. Yeah, me yeah. either until I was writing it out. Yeah, I was like, that's,
1: oh boy.
2: Interesting.
1: <laughs> um, check her out. She's cool. She's a cool lady.
2: Yeah, her uh, that account is really, really cool. The photos are beautiful and yes. um, you will enjoy them and you'll want to eat your phone.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Lastly, we also got another email from... A dear friend, Haley, she is um, going back and starting season one and she messaged us about the Breakfast Club episode and she had some interesting insights. So she says, Breakfast Club is super nostalgic and overdone to us in 2023 because it came out so long ago and has been done to death in so many ways since it came out 38 years ago in 1985. My hot take is that in 1998, well, still not new, Breakfast club was arguably newer and hadn't been reiterated to the point that it is today, so maybe directly referencing it was more of a current pop reference and less of being lazy and using a framework that is overdone in modern perspective
2: totally that makes
3: sense, yeah,
1: yeah, it's I fair. thought that was an interesting take, and um really appreciate your thoughts and insights, haley
2: yeah, it's a very good point, I think it's you know it's one of those things that we um are at the mercy of right 25 years later we're used to the the popular culture we have today it's hard to kind of put ourselves back in that time period when that may have been newer or fresher but that's a really good point do we have any more capesite correspondence no i think that's that <laughs> was a lot though i mean last yeah. year we
3: were so much fans yeah in. Keep, really appreciate keep it coming yeah
2: yeah thanks everybody well i guess without further ado we should just go ahead and start jumping into the episode huh Let's do it. So, as mentioned, we are talking about episode three, Alternative Lifestyles. This episode was first released on October 21st of 1998. And I have some fun facts about October 21st. I'm ready for you all. You know what the number one song in America was? It was The First Night by Monica. (gasps) Again? Yeah. Still. Still still raining from last last week. And the number one movie... I did tease this. I wonder if anybody remembers. Uh, It's Pleasantville. Oh. Oh, Oh, man. I love Pleasantville. Unironically, still to this day, it's a movie that I enjoy. Um, And I really... I have a, a... one little fact that I've locked away in my mind for Pleasantville. Pleasantville, for those who don't remember, is Toby Maguire, right? Yes, yes. Toby Maguire is transported back in time through his television to the set of Pleasantville. It's like 1950s perfect town, and Reese the whole too. Reese Witherspoon. A whole bunch. Of, it's a great cast, honestly. Um, the whole movie is in black and white, however, and it's really kind of crazy and cool. It's like that silver black and white of 1950s TV. And interestingly enough, that was all done. Um, Uh, practically, they actually uh, painted everybody silver for that movie. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Everybody died after the movie. So interestingly, just like in Goldfinger, that James Bond movie where that lady died, everybody died. The only, you know, the people that we see today who are impersonating Tobey Maguire and all those people, they're clones.
0: I was going to say the the CGI in Spider-Man 1 through 3 with Tobey Maguire, unreal
2: to make Tobey Maguire look alive again. I know, I know. I know, it's crazy. A lot of people don't know that, so that's what you come to this show for. You're welcome, everybody. So, uh, the synopsis for this episode is, A class assignment gives Jen a chance to win back Dawson as Pacey learns the truth about Andy's wealth. And boy, this episode really has a little bit of everything. We get a celebrity cameo. Oh my god, I was so excited to see that. I can't <laughs> wait to talk about that later. We get a little bit of class warfare, and we get questionable decisions from literally every single character in this episode. It's written by Kevin Williamson, and of course, Mike White, our good, good buddy, and directed by David Semel. Wait, and was it written by Kevin Williamson? He is credited as writing this on IMDb, but he's not credited oh. in the credits, so I believe he probably had little to do with the actual writing.
0: Yeah, that's. Uh, so IMDb is a uh, user done. And what happens is it gets logged on there because Williamson is an executive
2: producer. Sure. I feel
0: like at this point, Williamson's not doing anything with the show.
2: If, yeah. I mean, I wonder. Diehard fans, write in. I'm sure you already are. I can hear the keystrokes through <laughs> through my headphones.
1: Is, is there. I don't know if this is a really stupid question. Is there something else that's like IMDb that is not user. Base that's like
0: more accurate uh no no i mean there's like no like official website that mm-hmm. takes like official information mm-hmm. like everything is like user generated so like yeah. you, you have to take everything with a grain of salt mm-hmm. that's why imdb trivia is the worst yeah. place on earth
2: yeah. oh i love it it's so good <laughs> i love the goofs and trivia and it's like if you look closely somebody <laughs> blinks it's like fuck wow that's <laughs> crazy you can't believe that
0: even better is like when it's uh like something where it has like a large fan base that are a bunch of fucking neck beards. So like one of them is like for The Shining. It'll be like if you notice there's a lot of goofs, but these were done on purpose because Kubrick is a mastermind and wanted to manipulate the audience, or he's a
2: human being that right. fucks up yeah. a lot. Yeah, he's flawed, just like everybody else. Right? No, no, no. Everything is intentional. <laughs> Uh, well, anybody have any thoughts before we get into the chunky, chunky act one summary? This is my
0: favorite episode of the series so far. Really? Let's talk about it. Oh
2: yeah. Holy shit. Wow. That's strong words coming from you, Cody.
0: Everyone knows I'm a strong man. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into it. Our episode opens with Mitch pulling down Joey's sex ladder outside the Leary House and giving Dawson the no boning under my roof speech to which Dawson argues against as he is a quote unquote sexual being who will inevitably be mayor of Poundtown. (laughs) In his room alone, Joey pops out of the closet where she has been hiding the whole time only to be caught red handed by Mitch the next day. The argument still ensues before Dawson heads to school. At this point, Gail tells Mitch that she recognizes some of Dawson's argumentative tactics in Mitch, reiterating the open marriage plot thread with Mitch waving the white flag, saying he's willing to drop his arguments for polygamy. (laughs) Before class, Bessie tells Joey that due to an oncoming health inspection, Joey needs to pop by the ice house to ensure it's clean via mopping. And at school, Abby tries to point out that the school's total hunks to Jen, who is still fixated on her fizzled relationship with Dawson, much to Abby's exasperated displeasure. In the hallways, Andy asks Pacey for his homework notes before they enter econ class with the core four and some other noticeable characters. There, they receive a project entitled alternative lifestyles in which they're paired up as couples to write a paper on handling their new socioeconomic and role structure. Those couples being Dawson and Jen, Andy and Pacey, Abby with a sad named Kenny. All the while, (laughs) Joey gets assigned as a single mother. Later in the cafeteria, Joey expresses to Dawson that the assignment is triggering as she doesn't really know what she wants to do with her life. All while Dawson has a clear vision for his future. Joey additionally expresses concern over Dawson and Jen being paired up with Dawson telling her there's nothing to worry about. Woo. Yeah. It's a lot. So,
2: so much uh, happens yeah. in the first act of this episode. And I guess just, as a brief reminder for those who maybe are jumping into season two randomly on this episode, we now summarize the whole act up front and then dive into the scenes. So we're going from the beginning of the episode to the first commercial break there. Um, but this Episode continues a trend that I've noticed so far in every episode where we have the main storyline being mirrored in every single sub-character mm-hmm. relationship, right? So we got, essentially we got Dawson and Joey, then we also have Mitch and Gail, and we also have Pacey and Andy, and then we have Jen slash Abby slash Dawson slash everybody else in that web. But all of these storylines kind of mirror each other. And act one, we get everybody getting set up here, and I just think this is like a really packed first act
0: it sets up everyone nicely. And that's one of the things that I think is the, the strongest aspect of the show is the, or this episode is the writing. And I mean, again, that's Mike white being Mike white. Like he's a very strong Best. writer and probably the strongest of the people in this writer's room. Sorry. Other writers room people. Uh, but I love that. Uh, like you said, I mean, everything mirrors each other. And, uh, this, I mean, it's not a bottle episode, but this is so structured. There's a beginning and there's an end to it. This isn't just like fodder used to carry over for other episodes. We get a lesson, we learn the lesson and it's very clean. Like everything is very tightly structured. And I love that everything is for the theme of the episode and there's nothing that feels like extracurricular or fluffy just so they can be carried on until the final twist in the last second. But (laughs) I I love that like everything is there for the theme like there's nothing Mm. there's no fat on this episode everything is cleanly cut to be what it is
3: I Mm. love that we didn't this was the first episode we didn't start out inside of Dawson's room yeah so that was kind of a Mm. a good change that Mm. they wrote in there were outside of his room
2: and what a dramatic first shot of that ladder just slamming (laughs) down when
3: I like press play I
1: was like am I in the middle of an episode I felt really confused
2: (laughs) (laughs) I loved it, Purposefully
0: jarring. Yeah, means that we're not into something yeah. that we're regularly into. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, right off the bat, I have to say, Dawson. I don't know if I just it, have not noticed this before, or if it was like just the sh- the shot of him and Dad together. But Dawson looked m- much bigger to me. Like yeah. he just looked so much more like an adult. Um, I don't know if it was like also had to do with costuming or. Um, I don't right. know, styling, he, to me, I was just like, he looks like a,
3: the same age as
4: Mitch. Yeah. He,
2: <laughs>
3: and maybe because he was like, you know, they're not in his room, so he's standing up and kind of yeah. like, a different posture than he would be in his room.
2: That's a good point. We like, haven't seen a whole lot of them like standing side yeah. by side, usually yeah. Dawson sitting down or, he, or Mitch is sitting down. I mean, Dawson, I think it's getting harder and harder. I mean, I'm getting used to the fact that these are all supposed to be high school kids, but every <laughs> once in a while, to your point, so I'll see Dawson be like, this guy is not fucking fifteen <laughs> I years know. old. Yeah. yeah,
1: it made <laughs> yeah. me laugh a lot. Um, I did want to ask, has anyone I don't think we talked about this last time, has anyone been walked in on by their parents? Like when they were teenagers? Like
2: with your your significant other. Yeah. No. Mm. No. You?
1: Yes. Oh. Um, in high school. I was a freshman and I was hooking up with a senior.
2: Gross. What's his name?
1: <laughs> and my dad walked oh. in. That sounds. I think like all our clothes were on. I'm pretty sure. But
2: shout out to Doug.
1: Yeah, shout out to my dad. Did he Doug? Keep
3: his hand over the TV.
4: Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> slowly. No.
1: <laughs> no, but I just remember being so mortified.
2: Oh. Yeah. yeah, I would. I, I would be too. I was fortunate that both my parents were medical professionals, which meant they were basically gone all day mm. every day and would come home with Taco Bell at night. I was like, yes, daddy's <laughs> home or mommy's mm. home. Give me my tacos. <laughs> mm. Mm.
0: Cody, you? Uh, I don't remember. My memory starts every day like a goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe there's something wrong with me.
3: Uh, uh, I can't recall. I don't know.
1: All right, well, I thought that was going to be a more exciting
3: conversation. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Before they get caught, though, I uh, noticed that Joy is Joy's... Coming out of the of Dawson's closet, it looked like she was wearing one of his buttoned up shirts. Like mm. that maybe she just like grabbed from inside his closet <laughs> or something. Oh, yeah. Like you know, <laughs> I thought that was cute.
2: I loved this interaction. I wanted more of this. Uh, this is from that same time period. It's Mitch saying something to Dawson.
4: Dawson, uh, you can psychologically deconstruct me all you want,
0: but uh, here's the deal: parent me, child you.
2: All right, parent me, child you. I love that. (laughs) I want more of this relationship between Mitch and Dawson. This kind of like (laughs) quippy, snarky little back and forth between the two of them. I think it's, I mean, I think they both give it well. Though that said, I fucking hated Dawson in every interaction that he had with Mitch this episode. He's so like, such a shithead.
1: So smug. And that big smile. Yeah. (gasps) He was just so like, I'm a sexual being.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like he got one handy and he thinks he's an adult. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yes. I know how the life works,
0: okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if uh, this is me not being a very observant person, but this is the first time I noticed that when they were going up the stairs, there was a lot of uh, artwork. Yeah, was like,
4: yeah, yes.
0: like Kelpie. Like but then yep. it, it made me think like, It always frustrates me when I'm watching Star Trek and everyone's artwork is space-themed. It's like, you fucking work in space. Why would you have a painting of space? (laughs) And it's the same thing for Mitch. It's like your whole day is spent
2: dreaming of the kelp. Why do
0: you want to surround yourself with what you work with?
2: It's insane. He just lives and breathes aquatic theme. (laughs)
3: Wait, I felt like it was, I was on the magic school bus, like, you know, that the book with the, like, Miss Frizzle in the ocean. Yeah. Like, I was like, we're walking through like, yeah. the ocean floor. <laughs> That's so fun.
1: Does Mitch have a job right now? Yeah. He's
3: that, working on the restaurant. Uh, he,
2: yeah. <laughs> That's
3: his job.
4: Okay. He gets paid, know. probably.
2: He's not just some, like... Know you know, f- perpetual hobby master who's just like, yeah. I'm going to get paid one day, hon, I promise.
0: <laughs> I mean, this is the the fantasy of the 90s too, where yeah. uh, one parent has to work and they can mm. provide a, a two-story house. <laughs> but isn't it's, it
2: cool that we invert that and it's not the male being mm-hmm. the breadwinner, it's Gail being the breadwinner here. Yeah.
3: Maybe he's creating sea-themed decor and selling Ooh. it. I actually have a
2: theory <laughs> on this that I will... This will feed back into an idea I have later. So, Stella, I'm going to ask you to put a pin in that okay. thought. Just stick a thumbtack into your skull. Perfect. Perfect. Done. Yep. All right, great. That'll Ouch. help us remember. <laughs> um, did anybody notice that when Mitch uh, escorts Joey out of the room, it looks like he is going to, like, m- like throw Gosh. her down the yes. stairs. He, like, grabs her yes. arms so physically.
3: Yes. That was very uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. yeah.
2: It's like, nah, I'm going to yeah. lock you in my closet now, <laughs> <Yeah>. Joey. <laughs>
0: I wonder, I mean, you're absolutely correct, but I wonder if we're uh, just too observant of how fucking ripped Mitch is yes. and his like veiny arms always makes it look like he's flexing. Mm-hmm. So maybe we're just like, ah, veiny arms, like he's going to throw her down <laughs> a staircase.
2: Yeah, I I was expecting it. I thought we were going to get one of those cool falls and like a cool stunt shot. But on that note about this hallway, have, I know that we have seen the this upper hallway and these stairs before. To your point about all this art that we're seeing for the first time, I don't remember it looking like this at all. And I don't think we've ever got like a tracking shot while they go up it. I wonder if they changed the set because it just looks totally different than that season one where Joey overhears Mm -hmm. Gail on the phone. It does look different. Looks totally different. I noticed that too. I wonder if it's a different staircase. Oh, they've got two staircases. Ooh, got possibly, the, yeah. I mean,
3: that's a huge house. So. <laughs>
2: yeah, I did bring up Kubrick
0: earlier and talking about The Shining. Maybe it's like a like the Overlook Hotel. It's constantly <laughs> yes. changing, yeah. to
2: disorient the viewers Back to our clone theory. This is all just some lab experiment. They're testing to see if they'll recall the the layout of their home changing.
1: Um. Uh, so we get to see baby Alexander for the first time. Alexander.
0: Yes. Alexander. The, for the first time. Right. Well, no. we like, I mean, like, oh. I think
3: this is a new baby playing Alexander. Yeah, yeah. I think this is like... It a, can't be. It, <laughs> I mean, actually, it might not be. It might be the same one. I but. bet. The way that yeah.
1: Bessie is rushing in with him <laughs> and the way that she's holding him had me mm-hmm. very stressed. Uh,
2: yes. Yeah, this whole, um, this whole thing makes me stressed. Yeah. I mean, like...
3: The handheld camera motion...
2: Mm -hmm. was happening in this scene which i think is the only scene in
3: this episode that had that but it definitely heightened that feeling yeah
2: god it was just so hectic and i'm it made me feel really bad for bessie and joey simultaneously like each person here has so much of a burden to shoulder but they they can't possibly shoulder it all even between the two of them makes you really wonder why Bodie is just fucking non-existent dude
1: okay we'll talk about that later because i have a Big question. Yeah.
2: yeah, the single career mothers.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah, it's
2: just yeah. like what the fuck.
3: I, yeah, wh- what?
2: I wonder if this is a <laughs> no. way of writing Bodie out of the show.
3: But he comes no, back. Yeah, he comes as back as a different
2: actor. They recast him. No, no,
3: no. that already happened.
2: Oh it, yeah, that was like oh, a oh, pilot. Right, going right. See, you're yeah, right. You're I do right, think right. he
3: comes back. I thought that I'm, like he was I in swear more episodes.
0: He does. So I, I, I don't know. Swore.
2: Anyway, I guess we'll find out. But yeah.
0: We should have a, you know how like uh, when, when uh, like in a workplace they'll have, I mean, this is like the 1950s, they'd have like signage, like this factory has gone, how many ever days like without right. an accident? We should have one of those, but for the show <laughs> yeah. has gone
2: on how many episodes? Without, without <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when, um, moving, moving on a little bit here, when Dawson comes in to, <laughs> comes downstairs and Mitch is waiting for him, I like this line. Is that the sexual being himself? <laughs> what I was thinking. No, but I'm sure you're going to tell me.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: tell me that when you were my age, you weren't sneaking around and making out with girls in the backs of cars and movie theaters. I love their... See, this is... I want that, except for that last part. That last part can go shit itself and die. But the the part where they're joking about the sexual being himself, and I, I know you're going to tell me anyway, I love that. I want that to continue. Yes, yeah.
1: Um... Anyone else feel like this didn't really track with Gail calling Mitch manipulative? I, I kind of, oh. like I thought with the last episode when he brought it up, she seemed relieved almost.
4: Right. When he brought
1: uh, the idea of an open marriage. Oh. oh and yeah. um right. And now she's like yeah. seems really not into it, calling him manipulative. And
2: I do think this plot line that we get between Mitch and Gail is probably the weakest part of the whole episode for me because of a couple things, but I'm just gonna introduce this my problem with it here. Mitch in this so basically, you know, after this, after what that clip part, Dawson essentially twists Mitch's words around to make it sound like Mitch is trying to spice up my sex life. Do you hear that, Mom? Dad's trying to get me laid. <laughs> um and then that was Mitch really get impression. <laughs> thanks. Then Mitch basically You know, to your point, Stella, that's where Gail says you're, you know, like father, like son. You both are manipulative when you're trying to get sexual favors. I don't know what the fuck, how to say that. But Mitch then drops it. And he's like, I don't want to force the issue. Like, it's not a big deal for me. I'm not that interested in in this open marriage thing. It was just a thought. Mm -hmm. But then the whole, that whole thing just gets thrown out the window in just a few scenes. And they like quadruple down on this whole thing without... Yeah. Blinking an eye, and it—I'll continue to come back to this, but it's just very confusing to me. And I, upon watch rewatching it a couple times, I'm just like, I think they could have fixed this one just a little bit more if they rewrote these interactions just a tiny bit.
0: Uh, There's—I mean, I don't think this is a perfect episode. Uh, th- there are two things that I feel like—not things—I feel like there must have been two scenes that were deleted. Uh, one between Mitch and Gail, they would like reinforce like why they're going to be doing the open marriage thing and like make it more of an idea because right. to your point, it doesn't really make sense how they've transitioned so quickly to right. them, like agreeing with it. That and then later with Joey meeting up with Laura for the first time, there's no real like direct connectivity of like she has like offhandedly mentions like, oh, my teacher said that I could meet up with you, blah, blah, blah. But like I wish we would right. seen something like that because it seems so sudden. Um, but I I yeah, I yeah wonder why they felt so rushed that they would need to like kind of cut these things to make it make a little bit more sense. It still makes sense, but it's very quick. It's forced. You're
2: rushing it very fast. It's convenient, which of course everything is convenient in this show, but yeah. At Capeside, we, um, we get our introductions to some new background characters that I really, really hope Stick around the football players in the background, Trey Harder and Jeff Burtis or whatever their names are. They rule. They kick ass. I love them.
1: Wait, that made me just really like. What happened to Cliff? Remember, like he oh, was yeah. like the Jock oh, guy. Yeah. did he graduate? Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I guess these are like but the no, new the same Jocks, year, though. Yes, yeah, it is. is. That's strange. He's yeah. dead. Yeah, he's just died.
0: <laughs> I mean, maybe his film did so good. Right, <laughs> 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 helmets yeah. and festival. Yeah.
1: Wait, Cliff, and then what was that other girl's name that we like? Right. Um, uh oh man she's yeah. long gone yeah. she's
2: she is yeah. long gone although yeah. we liked yeah yeah from, uh, she a was the fairy, right? best seat nope No nope.
4: um, <laughs> <laughs> what's her name was, oh my
2: gosh we'll get there nelly nelly, nelly. nelly. there we go there we go yeah. we got there
0: yeah. um, whoa nelly
3: maybe she and cliff ran off together probably maybe.
2: again uh, their
0: film did so good yeah yeah the, bought at sundance yeah
3: This scene with Abby and Jen, I just want to talk about their clothes for a second. Um, Abby's wearing blue velvet flare pants and I'm pretty sure she's wearing a heart of the ocean necklace. Like the one from Titanic. Yes. It's like this dark blue, like heart Heart of the ocean. (laughs) And then Jen is in a red paisley mini dress, which gave me Delia's vibes. I don't know if you Mm, ever remember that magazine. I feel like we've gone from like J. Crew to like a whole different like look for She it makes me think of Claire's. Yeah, oh, definitely like, like that more, you know, kind of like girly. Pop, I don't know, like, like glitter
2: pop. like, yeah. that's I don't know. Yeah,
3: so it's uh, yeah. I, I thought that was fun. It's, I think like maybe that style comes from Abby, and maybe it's like mm. just, you know, yeah. Abby. It's like they're yeah, definitely.
2: Yeah. I think we're sub- we're definitely seeing Abby Gale has quite a <laughs> negative <laughs> impact on Jen here throughout this episode. And I really liked Abby's clothes throughout the whole episode Mm -hmm. and I fucking hated Jen's outfits in every Mm -hmm. scene. They were all so just weird. And I don't know if this is, I wonder if this is an acting choice from um, Michelle Williams, but Jen looks physically uncomfortable in most of the clothes that she's wearing. Mm -hmm. Like she's very stiff and like kind of like a puppet walking around. And I think that's a deliberate choice, but I don't know.
0: I I feel like the I mean the biggest theme of this episode is uh, identity and mm-hmm. who you are uh, versus who you think you should totally. be. Uh, this is exp- I mean this is one of my favorite things to explore in any kind of like narrative. Uh, I mean that's why I'm a David Lynch fan. It's like identity, identity, like who are you really? Who and who, who 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 exactly? Are you? Oh no, we'll have to pay the who <laughs> uh, uh I think you're totally correct because. The only person right now in this entire series who is exactly who they are is Abby. <laughs>
4: like, yeah, there's
0: mm. no question she is exactly who she pretends to be and is. There is no pretending. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the entire time, like Michelle Williams looks like so uncomfortable with everything that she's doing, it, be it her doing barrel rolls on the bed to look <laughs> sexy,
4: <laughs> or like any anything in yeah. between,
0: kissing, you know, all that stuff. It's uh, very not who Jen is. No. Mm-hmm. It's totally on point. Also, during the sequence, I love Abby uh, when she's talking about those uh, muscly hunks, yeah. and she says they're so completely disgusting. Yes. It's almost erotic. <laughs> yes, and then that's book ended with her talking about how disgusting Dawson and yep. like, his group of friends is. So, make, are they sowing yep. the seeds for her to eventually be like, "Oh God, am I attracted to Dawson and Pacey? They're so disgusting."
2: Ooh. I like that idea. I hope
0: so.
3: Did anyone notice that the kid, like there's like an elementary school age kid in, that walks <laughs> by in this scene. It's so out of the blue. Yeah. <laughs> I it's, did not know like a little backpack and it's definitely a child like I feel walking like, <laughs> by just in the background.
2: I feel like this is one of those like you watch a video and then somebody's like, did you see the red <laughs> bouncing ball in the background? I'm and Everyone's so like, confused. what? No, I did not see an elementary child in the background.
4: <laughs>
3: oh my God. i have so to rewatch confused.
2: that. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Abby's child. Yeah.
1: Um, Did anyone find... Andy like slightly obnoxious in this next part
2: I have some thoughts on that I did
3: yeah I did, I just like in this in the um, in the hallway where yeah where she's asking for yeah. his notes and
1: yeah I just like I still really like her there was just like in the, like my initial reaction was just like oh my god stop you're
2: yeah you're like, talking about now, when they're walking at- to class? Here, yeah, and she's, she's like, at- did you have
1: the notes? Like, I've, it, 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 I've got it, it, the
2: clip here. It's a little bit of a longer one. Let's take a listen.
4: Casey, wait, look, I need your help. Oh,
2: God, here we go. Okay, Andy, I'm having a really mellow morning. I haven't had any car accidents. I haven't been diagnosed with any terminal defects. And I really <laughs> just like to keep a low pro, so bye-bye.
1: Yeah, look, I'm sure there are a dozen dimwits with highlights and C-cups you'd rather be talking to, but you're the only person I know on the econ, so here's the deal.
3: I thought it I actually thought it was an interesting way to like explore that them getting to know each other because they still don't really know who each totally. other are. And like of course she has no idea that Pacey's a slacker.
2: slacker. Yeah.
3: Like I yeah. Thought it was an interesting way for them for like her to find that out and then
2: Totally. Yeah. And then the the you know, going back to that she's taking digs at his taste in women, mm, you know. Yeah seems like she's kind of jealous uh, mm-hmm. continuing to be, or at least potentially, yes, she's looking for notes, but also she's trying to just stay mm. close to him, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. she mm-hmm. maybe has a crush on him without knowing she has a crush yeah. on him type thing. She
3: feels comfortable with him. So, right. if, you know, he's the one that she would ask for notes. Right.
2: And
0: Yeah. I also thought this was really good foreshadowing uh, for us to... We assume that, like, oh, she's a rich person, so oh. she's, like, a goodie, like, two-shoes. She probably does all of her homework. Mm-hmm. I love that she's coming in being like, fuck, I, like, didn't do what I needed to do. Can I borrow off of yeah. the slacker? Yeah. Which is... And that's, like, like an interesting... Not a red totally. flag, but, like, right. oh, she's not who she's all cracked up to be.
3: But also explains, like, normally she would, but maybe because her life is changing, yes. like, this time she <laughs> forgot, you know? So it's, yeah, definitely a, a good foreshadow.
0: And that's,
2: uh, that's where I kind of fell back to on further rewatches of this episode. Her behavior here, she's, I think, she's, like, manifesting the anxieties and the, like, stressors that she has from her tumultuous home life that is rapidly changing around her, right? Like, we get to hear later when Jack tells Pacey about their their immediate history. And the reason I think that is because in this moment, Andy says something about how, like, if you fall behind one day before you know it, you're homeless on the street dirty or whatever. Yeah, it's like, that's like. A-
3: Big change. Right She's now. clearly <laughs> worried
2: about their yeah. financial situation, yeah. right? So it's so much more about her life than it is just about class and maybe, and also about class versus mm-hmm. class, right? Your mm-hmm. class in society versus your school class.
0: Stella, were you annoyed that uh, she was just bickering at Pacey and it's just like a continued, like, this is her one note. So she just like does it over and over again. Like, this is the way they communicate. Maybe. And it's getting kind of tired.
1: Maybe. Because
0: I can feel that too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah and I guess with like our, la- like the, the way the last episode ended where we see that like really sweet, genuine totally. connection with them. I know they're like still getting to know each other, but it's like, okay. It I feel like there was also another scene before that where yeah. they were like bickering. It's like, I want there to be more um, evenness right. between them and for the relationship to grow, I think.
2: I see that.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you'd think that they'd get over this by now because yeah. we've already had three episodes, or this is the third episode. Like, we've already established that this is their way of communicating, so we can, like, grow past it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I don't know.
2: Yeah. yeah, I have an, a note that I wanna I wanna bring back in this one. So, Stella, I'm gonna ask you to put another thumbtack in your skull. Cool, <laughs> thank you. Um,
4: <laughs> but
2: it has to do with the way Pacey and Andy interact, and I think that there is an interesting inversion in Pacey's character when he interacts with Andy versus when he interacts with other characters. Um, you know, he kind of jokes. He's a very jokey, sarcastic guy, right? He never takes anything seriously. Except when he's talking with Andy, he actually kind of initially jokes, but then he's able to take things seriously quite like quickly and be vulnerable with her in a way that he isn't vulnerable with anybody else. He's not vulnerable with Dawson even, you know? So I think that there's an interesting thing that we see with the way they interact, but to your point, it is very samey, but it's I feel like it's on purpose. We're supposed to be seeing that this is different for him. Both of these interact, or his relationship here is different than it is with other people. Mm -hmm. Speaking of being with other people, the econ Mm -hmm. assignment, why is it called alternative lifestyles? (laughs) Is it just because he made one group a same-sex couple? Is that literally it? (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like, what is the thought here? Yeah,
3: for a class assignment.
0: (laughs) Well, oh, uh, I mean like just, Brainstorming out loud. So, like, alternative lifestyles used to be used as a term to describe gay couples because it was alternative to normalcy, right. which is heterosexual relationships um, that are monogamous. But I wonder if Mike White is trying to use that as a play on well, let's um, let's directly attack what we believe is normalcy right. and what has been established, maybe with the core four plus other characters. It's like we're going to use this project to attack their normalcy and what is, you know, perceived by everybody. I mean, at least, like, we're seeing the core four through Abby's eyes earlier, you know, they're completely disgusting. Uh, but, like, this is probably... Everything that they do is established just as much as it is for us, as it is with other classmates. They view these people as who they, you know, present themselves to be. So maybe that's Mm. the only thing that I could see is like why it's called alternative lifestyles. If it's like more of like a wink from Mike White for us to like start being critical about these relationships and these roles that people have set themselves in stone for to be.
4: Mm.
2: Interesting. I don't know. I can see
0: that. And also there's a great gay joke. But the best thing about this gay joke is that it's not about them being gay, it's about the classroom viewing them as homophobes, and that's why it's funny that they are cast as the gay couple, which I thought was very smart and (laughs) subverted the expectations of a 1998 drama for kids.
2: Like, you'd think that there'd be a gay joke. Mm -hmm. You'd think that there'd be a gay joke, and not only that, but it would be like a Total gay bashing joke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and I think to your to further your point about subverting expectations, they even go so far as subvert to subvert expectations later when we see these two characters being happy that they <laughs> were in a same sex couple because yeah. they had a good time on their project and, and they were like, able to like learn each other. So yeah, already.
4: So it's like it's like, so you know. cool <laughs> that they
2: did that. You know, I mean, of course Kevin Williamson and Mike White would do something like that, yeah. but it's really cool. I thought to see that feels very progressive for nineteen eighty. Totally, mm-hmm. massively. He also,
3: liked this instructor. He wasn't mean like all the others. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, He seemed
0: like a really good teacher. Yeah. He was like really enthusiastic about the project and like uh, what his students could actually learn from this Totally. Mm-hmm.
2: I just felt bad for Joey because everybody kind of gets some version of a fantasy life I would say except Joey who gets a nightmare life. She gets literally her worst nightmare but it comes true for her. You know she has got to be a single career mother which I've never heard that term before. Is that like a like, is that like a working mom? Is that like the modern equivalent of that? Like, you're a single mother with a job? Is that what they're trying to say? Sure,
4: yeah, because a single yeah. career
2: yeah. mother makes it sound like she's a mother with one job, which isn't mm. that like most people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I was just kind of confused yeah. by that one. Yeah.
0: It took me a while. I thought it was weird, too. Yeah, the terminology, it seems like you're phrasing it strange.
2: Yeah. Single yeah. career... S- single, 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 single career mother. Career mother. mother.
0: Yeah. yeah. Career single mother.
2: <laughs> that would be better. I don't know. She's a career single mother. She gets paid to be a single mom. <laughs> she is a career. Coming this fall. <laughs>
3: <laughs> did you, anyone, did anyone notice that Jen passes a note to Abby?
2: Yeah. A
3: note passing mm. I was there
2: during the class. What did you guys think about that? Because I have a thought, but I want to see what you guys, if anybody had a thought on that. I didn't even notice. So it's when, um, Mr. Maddock, that's the teacher in the econ class, is passing around the hat or whatever with people to, to, pick to pick a partner. And then Jen passes Abby the note. Do you, did, since no, you noticed ahead. it. So right. I thought maybe that was Jen passing Abby her name so that she could like fake pull out ah. Jen's name from the hat so that they would hmm. be partners. Mm-hmm.
4: Uh-huh. But then
2: Dawson pulls Jen's name first.
4: Mm. That's kind of like what
2: I thought, but then we didn't see that actually no. play out, nor did we ever see that note come into play.
3: Interesting. It's been interesting, yeah.
2: I wish That's we good. got something, because otherwise it's yeah. just like...
3: I know, I, I wanted okay. more from that. I was like, okay, yeah. she's passing a note, like what's what's going to happen? Are they going to get in trouble or like, but nothing, yeah. yeah.
0: Mm. I kind of like it though. It's like a good way to like show, don't tell that <laughs> totally. there's yeah. they're like, oh, they're friends that pass notes now? Like, yeah. wow, like what a jump in their relationship. Yeah. Totally.
2: That is a good point. Mm-hmm. And we yep. don't need to get the payoff from that because we tell the story in our head about what that sure. might be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. I miss
1: passing notes.
2: Me too. <laughs> we can bring it back. We should start we it, passing notes here. Corks, yeah.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that.
2: Hey. <laughs> 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 the listeners are going to s- suddenly hear like...
1: <laughs> did you see what James did?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um. So next we get the the cafeteria scene here as they kind of start talking. Jen and, sorry, Joey and Dawson are in line and Joey is kind of like, this is such a ridiculous assignment. We'll never get this. (laughs) And Dawson is like kind of excited about it. I don't know. Or maybe he's just trying to be positive. I couldn't quite read Uh, how he was being. You know, honestly, just speaking
1: in general about this episode, I didn't find myself... Like, I thought Dawson was, like, kind of, you know, being, like, smug and annoying in the beginning. But, like, overall, he just seemed very, like, bright and positive and, like, yeah. pretty consistent throughout. And I didn't mind him there, this episode. On,
3: on that note, I kind of reviewed all the scenes last night because I was like, how much of the episode was Dawson in? He wasn't really in that much of it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And, and like, you, you're saying, the parts that he was in, were not as he, like he's been before, which is kind of, you know, annoying or immature. It was more like he was positive.
1: Yeah. Like, so yeah. I yeah. I noticed that too. I wonder, I mean, maybe kind he took should... a
3: back seat maybe in, yeah. in this.
1: Yeah. I wonder if he's just like in a good spot right now and he's like really happy where things right. are at mm-hmm. with Joey. He seems really confident.
4: Yeah.
0: He's confident. And with that confidence comes a lot of emotional maturity Like later on when we have Jen, you know, throwing herself at him, there's two ways he could have reacted, right? Like he could have screamed at her, uh, or I guess three ways, right? He could have screamed at her, been like, "Get the fuck out of my room!" Like, you know, what the fuck are you doing? Like Mm -hmm. losing his mind, right? Right. The other version of that is he could just like obviously give in. They could have slept with one another, whatever. But he chooses um, basically like politeness and just kind of being like, oh, like, why do you feel that you need to do this? Like, what's, like, what is yeah. wrong? Like, there's something mm-hmm. wrong. And really engaging with her on a level that wasn't offensive to her. Like, he didn't, like, put her down. It was mm-hmm. more of, like, this feels really off for you and I'm really sorry, like, what's really going on here? Which, I don't know, would this have been the same Dawson from season one going through this? Mm-hmm. I mean, it would have been, I feel yeah. like it would have been totally different. Yeah. Yeah. I agree.
3: And in fact, they're the only couple that didn't fight during the, the process of this project, the school project. Like, the two of them didn't, he didn't, like you're saying, he didn't yeah. cause any, like, any friction between them mm-hmm. like the other couples had, so.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I i i i like that read of it, that, that he has this kind of newfound confidence or that he's now comfortable where he maybe has been second-guessing himself or his place in Capeside, and now that he has this kind of, relationship with Joey or whatever that he's able to be this character but I just don't know I couldn't I I think he gives a good I think James Vanderbeek gives a good performance in this episode or they gave him good direction because I think there's definitely moments where you can see him grappling with Jen giving him all this attention and advances on him but then you can also clearly see that he is repelled by it at the same time and mm-hmm. that he's locked in on joey so it feels a very I, I would say like a pretty convincing performance of what a 15 year old boy like dawson would do if they found themselves in this situation
0: you can really see the wheels turning in his yes head. he does very good eye acting in this you can mm. see the emotions going on in his brain when all this is happening and for the first time it seems like dawson's actually thinking before he speaks yes mm. so it's like
2: wow. finally <laughs> It's maturing and it's not, (laughs) everything isn't just being related back to Dawson and Dawson's experience, which I think was the most refreshing Mm. part about Mm -hmm. this episode is to your point, Cody, he's not being like, well, Jen, what are you doing to me? Don't you realize me and Joey are are good now or whatever? He's instead being like, Jen, what's going on? Or Joey, this could be good. You should try. You know, like he's not Mm -hmm. just relating it back to himself. And
0: also, I mean, this is, you know, maybe I'm uh, grasping at straws here and like overanalyzing, but once again, at the beginning when Joey is coming out of the closet, it's the closet door that has the Hook poster on it. And we've talked before about how Hook is, you know, the Peter Pan syndrome, being obsessed with childhood, not wanting to grow up. And the fact that she's still coming out of that and being caught by Mitch is this like, are we observing some kind of foreshadowing that Dawson might soon realize that he's like tying to his past, which was not good and needs to move forward in some way. yeah. And Mitch being the great watcher, the father figure, um,
2: I don't know.
3: Is this why the elementary school child was walking mm-hmm. away Ooh. in the background of that scene?
2: It's, speaking Dang. of Lynch, was it's like Dawson? a it's oh like Lynchian <laughs> character in the background who's, who's literally representing the themes walking that we're talking away
3: about. away from Jen.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and to your point, Cody, you know, Jen right now is in this, she's, kind of trying to reinvent herself but the version of herself that she is reinventing or trying to reinvent into is a much more adult version it's not she's not just trying to be like another teen or something like that like she's dressing much more mature juxtapose that with joey who is certainly changing her her wardrobing but she still is more or less dressing like kid joey coming out of the closet you know hiding in there for safety or whatever interesting
0: in the cafeteria, uh, uh, the receipt sound effect from uh, the thing is the same receipt sound effect as the black smoke monster from Lost. Oh, oh. wow.
2: I, <laughs> didn't, I wish I had even noticed that. I've been rewatching a lot of Lost lately, so I had Lost <laughs> on the mind when I was watching this. And I was like, oh, same sound effect. What if the smoke monster in Lost is the ghost of... The cash register in Dawson Street Cafeteria.
3: God, I believe it. Oh my goodness. It's
2: it goes so much deeper than we ever could have imagined.
3: <laughs> we have to go back.
2: <laughs> Speaking of going back, it's time for us to take our very, very first break of the episode. We'll see you on the other side.
0: And we're back in the cafeteria, that is, where Abby suggests that Jen should try to seduce Dawson while they work on their project, despite his relationship with Joey. And later that day, while they work on budgeting for their fake family, Jen does just that. She inches closer and closer to Dawson and tries to lure him in by describing how nothing has really changed between them. This gives our titular hero some icky feelings, and he dips. Elsewhere, we see Pacey and Andy playfully bickering over their project budgeting, with Pacey making the purchase of a sports car an absolute must. (laughs) Meanwhile, at the Ice House, Joey accosts Jack for mopping incorrectly and explains the project to Bessie. When Bessie offers her personal life as advice, Joey sadly shuts her down, and she says she'll find someone more successful to learn from. (sighs) At the Leary household, Gail gets dropped off by a male coworker, which sets off alarm bells in Mitch's mind. This brings up the open marriage conversation once again, and Mitch proclaims that they shouldn't make Thursdays their date night to which they can see other people. Ugh.
1: Oh boy. Uh,
2: Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> um Abby you
1: sucks? Mop. Oh <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah. Um yeah, Abby is being a mean girl, um, really disappointed in Jen for just kind of letting her talk to Kenny, Kenny like that. Yeah, that was sad. But also multiple times, yeah, multiple times. Mm-hmm. Like, and then at one point, Jen's like laughing. laughing. Yeah, yeah.
2: fucker,
0: <sighs> f- annoying. But um, again, I, is this playing into Jen being like, "This is the character that I'm performing as"? Yeah, yeah it
2: seemed. Yeah
1: really forced like it didn't seem like she was really laughing
2: the first time it seems like she's uncomfortable and then the second time it's like well this is what i gotta do kind of yeah. a thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's weird
1: um but i really liked that abby call like in this that first scene back uh abby calls it the new york city regression he's mm, like yeah need, mm-hmm. jen like we need to see that new york city regression um and that's what we were talking about last time that's mm-hmm. totally being yeah.
2: a regression totally. Yeah, and this is also where Abby has this incredible line. Take a look at him. He's totally into Joey. He's in love with her. He's a 15 year old boy. He doesn't know what love is. All he does know is that he goes to sleep every night jerking his gherkin, and he wakes up every morning humping his mattress.
3: <laughs> <laughs> cool. Jerking his gherkin, word yeah. dipstick and gun. Yes, in yes. This scene, all of those <laughs> in one scene. So the gun
2: is the phallus is is now confirmed. We now know is the
3: dipstick is the gherkin.
2: Yeah, but we, you know, there's God. this whole like serial killers use the gun because it's like the penis.
1: Yeah. Now we know for oh, sure, yeah, yeah.
2: unequivocally, it's been confirmed. Thank you.
1: Um, for you, gentlemen, have you ever referred to your penis as a gherkin?
0: <sighs> Every day. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. I was
0: really disappointed when the Portland Pickles decided the name of the Portland Pickles because I'm like, well, now I'm just going to sound like too much of a baseball fan if I'm just referring to myself as Jerkin the gherkin. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. What a name for your uh, your dingle dangle. I mean, which is the official Latin phrase, <laughs> of course, of course, yes.
1: But, sorry, going back, um, I do, it's interesting to me that Abby is calling it this regret. Like, she is very, like, smart enough to pick up that, like, this is, like, her old behavior and Mm -hmm. and that she's kind of, like, inciting Jen to continue that.
2: Yeah. Do we think that Abby is doing this? Altruistically or for nefarious purposes? Because I can't help but think that Abby is doing this to make Jen look like a slut, quote unquote, so that Jen gets taken down a peg and Abby like has some culture, some social cachet because she took down Jen.
3: I don't, I feel like
1: that's not it, but it doesn't like, because it seems like she does care about Jen, but it just
3: doesn't seem like. I think it's a mix. Yeah. It's like a mix of things to me. I don't know. Not it's hard to figure out her motivation. Yeah. yeah. Well, it feels... Uh,
0: I, I don't think Abby is that... I don't, I don't want to use the word manipulative, but I don't think she's playing 3D chess here. I think yeah. for her it's just like, oh, it sounds like Jen used to be really fucking sure. cool in the way that I think people are cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then she became a total snooze when she started hanging out with Dawson. So I want her to be cool again. Like I want yeah. her to be mm-hmm. the person that she was in New York. If she's calling it that regression, I mean... It, it maybe it's a double entendre of being like like this is the person you are not and you never were. This is right. the character that you had been performing mm. as back then but also at the same time it was cool when you were doing that so like yeah. do yeah it, we, please.
3: We know that Abby thinks it's cool because in last episode she was like oh like I, right. I wish I was you know could go to New York and do these things that you did so like to her maybe to she knows that to Jen, it's regression, but for Abby it's like exciting. You right. Know?
1: Yeah. And I kinda wonder if it's like just like a way for them to like have a connection that feels right fulfilling in some way, or just like I wonder if I, I wonder if Abby knows that Jen is like going through a hard time. Um and, you know, she's trying to create some type of fun for them totally um, or not maybe not
2: but yeah i know i mean i've been kind of trying to play back their friendship in my mind to see if there was ever a point because i know that she talked about in earlier in the season i've done and said things that you could never imagine in new york but that's almost in a way to get abby off of her back rather than as a way to give her like some context into what she's running mm-hmm. away from and i think that what we're kind of seeing is like the dangers of enablers right mm-hmm. if you only have mm-hmm. people who think of you as like fun, right? And they just want you to have fun, and they're not really thinking of your best interest at heart. Like, Abby really, I know they're teenagers, but, like, Abby really should be thinking about why maybe Jen left New York and is here in Capeside, and mm-hmm. what maybe mm-hmm. that might mean for her and what she needs, and instead all she's thinking is, like, you need to be crazy, and you need to go have fun and get drunk and have sex with him. Who cares, you know? Yeah,
3: and in this act, this act is bookended by Jen failing to seduce yes. Dawson. That's the last scene in this act. Totally. I so So, there, you know, there's that outcome
2: of right.
3: it not working. <laughs> and it doesn't
2: work when she is kind of approaching it from a more measured standpoint. So what does she do next? Mm-hmm. goes a little bit heavier into it.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so uh, I'm thinking from this perspective. Uh, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. I've been sober for f- five and a half years now. And in, early in my sobriety, there were a lot of people who were like, well, come on, just have a drink, like, be fun, you know, and it's, it's like, oh, well, like, they, they clearly need me to do that, because it justifies right. their alcohol issue as well. And I remember, like, even when I was drinking, and other people weren't drinking, I would be that person, too, where it's like, well, come on, like, you got to have fun, right? You want to have fun, you got to drink to have fun. And it seemed like maybe this is who uh, Abigail is. <laughs> she recognizes the faults in her actions and knows them to be bad, but she's addicted to the chaos. She like wants to surround herself like in this um cesspool because she like thrives in the danger. Like she yeah. needs that in her life. So for her to like encourage Jen to do that, she probably knows it's bad. She's now willing to work on herself. So she's like, well if Jen is like me, then
2: it's fine. Right. I can continue to be a mustache twirling villain. Abigail Mm -hmm. is just a little little tiny farmhouse pig. She just wants to roll around in the mud, you know, (laughs) and she's only having fun if other people are rolling around in the mud with her. And I think that's what we're kind of seeing because we've called it since the first time she was on the screen. She's an agent of chaos. All she does is try to sow chaos and make people kind of go crazy. And I think we're seeing that firsthand now. It's now gone from just like spreading rumors to now like actively manipulating somebody's life.
1: I also like am realizing like we know that Jen has never really had any meaningful female relationships. And as far as we know, we haven't really seen Abby have any friendships. So I wonder if they both just like, don't know really how to have a friendship that feels like Mm -hmm. genuine and supportive. And this is just, you know, their way of having some type of friendship in their lives.
4: Yeah.
0: I mean, it's, it's, smartly written in that way to talk about like our social fabric being very misogynistic and patriarchal is that women are oftenly in fighting and that's the way mm-hmm. structures are set up to be like like well women are constantly in competition whereas men are able to flourish without that kind of relationship model in mind so i wonder if they're very much directly speaking to that with these two characters um reacting the way that they react because these are the only two women friends we see on the show except for when joey and jen were like kind of having they're forming a little bit of a friendship Mm -hmm. near the end of season one but without that i can't think of any other women relationships that are strong bonds (laughs) except for uh gail and uh gramps (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah best friends
1: yeah um Also, I can't remember if this happens at the end of season, or not. sorry, not season one, at the end of the act one or beginning of act two, when we see Jen kind of come in and stand in the cafeteria doorway and Joey and her kind of look at each other.
2: End of act one. End of act one, yeah. yeah.
3: When Joey's complaining to Dawson about the the project. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jen's there in the background. Yeah, Yeah.
1: I thought that, I, I don't know really what I have to say about that, but I just thought that was kind of like an interesting, like, them both kind of acknowledging each other's presence and, like, this tense awkwardness.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and what I thought was interesting about that little shot in that moment was Abby and Jen enter together. They lock eyes with Joey and Dawson across the cafeteria hallway. (coughs) And then Abby... Leaves the frame, and it's just Jen in Mm -hmm. the middle there. And I think that that's kind of an interesting little like framing device, or maybe a little bit of a foreshadowing that Abby is setting Jen up Mm. to fail, right? Mm -hmm. She's really just going to leave her all by herself there for her to kind of flounder, which is what we see continually in this episode. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, 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 this is good. This is good. Flounder like fish.
3: Sorry. Uh, Good one. Good one. (laughs) Uh,
0: Teaser with a tweezer. So I wonder if this. this is rich i like this visual storytelling so we have jen who's framed by the the doorway so she's been placed in a box this is who her character is she's stuck in it and she's Mm -hmm. not allowed to really leave that structure because she's not comfortable yet of being who she is versus in a
3: fishbowl
0: she she might be in a fishbowl (laughs)
3: uh
0: whereas joey (laughs) uh joey is in the cafeteria she's not framed by anything she has like this open world that her, Mm. her uh character has been set in within the image and I wonder if this is playing to how we see Joey later kind of flourish from this project and learn Mm -hmm. that she does have agency Mm -hmm. in her life Mm -hmm. and she isn't just the small town hick who is going to be forced to stay there for the rest of her life interesting whereas Jen right now since she is uh, playing this character it's if she continues to play this character she'll never move on and progress through her own life
2: totally So Mm -hmm. I wonder if
0: that's supposed to be the visual juxtaposition in these things
2: Mm mm-hmm Interesting. I like Very that good. idea. Yeah.
3: And speaking of Joey kind of getting out of her situation, we have her in the ice house talking to Bessie. Yes. In this act. Um, kind of trying to get out of that rut she's in, you know, not wanting Bessie's help.
2: Yeah. Super sad. So yeah. sad. I couldn't I just felt like I felt so bad for Bessie and specifically this scene, but really this whole episode. It's like I think we we what we see in that very first scene with Bessie and Joey is that their life is like falling apart and what we find later on is that like you know Bessie kind of wants to like kick Joey out because she's worried she's ruining Joey's life.
3: Mm-hmm. It's really sad. Yeah, it is sad. Essentially we're
1: given a a new Bessie. I mean th- this feels like I, one of my notes 2.0. Yeah, I mean, one of my notes for this episode was that I just felt like Bessie was like a completely different character. Um, like, p- essentially introducing her as a single mom without any explanation. Right. So there's that. And then I, later on, I felt like Bessie had an accent, like a southern accent. Yes. I don't know if anyone knows yeah. that. Um, but yeah, I just thought this was... I, I was like, is this what's happening right now? Are we... Being told that she is a single mom, I so because she says virtually, I'm yeah, virtually. virtually. Right. So
3: I think in I think what she's trying to tell Joey is like a set, Like I mean, for whatever reason, we don't know that why he why uh, Bodhi is not around. She feels mm. like a single mom because she has to take on so much with the baby and with the restaurant on her own. Because for whatever reason, Bodhi's not there, so it's, she f- essentially feels like a single mom. That's that's kind of what I. Yeah, got from that but it's still it is very confusing because we don't know there's like yeah, there's no nothing else behind that like why yeah from what we
0: know all we know of yeah. this canon is that Bodhi got a job at a French restaurant in a different town and that's why he's not around so mm-hmm. it's right. like if she's virtually a single mother it's like well of course he's probably just like staying at a hotel or something because he mm-hmm. has to stay at this job all the time I just yeah. wish
2: that they would make a choice yeah and mention it,
3: it, something about Bodhi. you know like, yeah
2: because that was their opportunity to be yeah. like, i'm virtually a single career mother with Bodhi being gone all the time yeah, right? yeah like yeah, god damn yeah. can we get some clarity yeah. here because it's just really fucking confusing he was in the bathroom last season and that's <laughs> right. the last we yeah, know right, about is right. he still shitting what's <laughs> like, going on yeah
3: <laughs> yeah <laughs> very confusing yeah um <laughs> and then <laughs> we're fucking
1: Jack with his mop, oh, <laughs> just man. like what universe are people just putting dirty mop water back on the ground?
0: We all learn someplace.
2: Poor guy. I mean, <laughs> which is
1: so funny, just because like in the last, I can't remember if this is the last time. So when he's like locking up the whole story, he's like, "Yeah, I got this." And right. he, yeah, yeah, but and then the so crash
3: dish crashes in the background. <laughs> but now he doesn't know how to mop. Yeah, I mean,
2: he wants to try.
0: This actually is. It kind of reminds me of a good uh what am i trying to say there there is like a trope there of the rich character that assumes they know everything because their wealth offers them the ability mm-hmm. to like have that agency of being like well i'm successful so everyone can right. be successful when in reality they've never worked a day in their life and we get to see that with jack because like from uh, what we we get they had money at one point, but right. now it's gone. We don't really know the full story there. But I mean, this could be, for all we know, Jack's first actual manual labor job or like customer service job mm-hmm. or something like that. Thus, him not knowing how to use them, right. mop In a bucket. It's a good learning experience yeah.
3: for him. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just like I that he's willing to try. Yeah. You yeah. know,
2: yeah. he's, he's wanting to chip in. You know, can't say he's not a hard worker, which. I appreciate, and I have been there. I didn't know how to use a mop at one point in time, and (laughs) did I dump the water all over the floor thinking you're supposed to mop it up? Yes. So, Jack, (laughs) you and me, bud, we are the same person, except I've never been rich. Maybe one day, we'll see. This podcast has got to make us all rich. (laughs) We now move to Mollier's Market, the coffee (laughs) shop that's named Mm -hmm. Market. I don't quite understand this.
3: I love that it's becoming a fixture. Yeah. Like there's three scenes in this yes. episode where we're in Malier's market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I it. really
1: liked that. I Because yeah. I definitely remember being in high school and just hanging out at yeah. coffee oh. shops all the time. That totally. was like what we did. Um, so yeah, I liked that we got to see this place multiple times. Yeah. I have in different some, situations. I have some thoughts yeah. later on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean,
2: yeah it uh, <laughs> comes alive at night, doesn't it? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> definitely a, the singles hangout. Hopping. This is uh, one of my favorite lines from this act and maybe even from this episode. I don't really need a jacuzzi. As long as I get this Viper, everything's okay. No, you are a bus driver and I am a sales clerk.
4: We're not getting any Viper.
2: I love that. You are a bus driver and I am a sales clerk. (laughs) So what does so, Cody, back to your idea, right? What are we supposed to think about? Everybody is kind of giving being given this version of a fantasy life for them to break out of, right? For 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 Dawson, it's I think it's more for Jen than it is for Dawson here, right? But like Jen is being shown you don't really want this life. Joey is being shown you can break out of this life. <clears throat> what are Pacey and Andy supposed to get? Because I think they learn how to work together, but I'm trying to think what's the metaphor for them getting paired up together.
0: I, I don't think it necessarily has to do uh, with the roles that they receive from the project, but I mean, we, we get mid up. Uh, the conversation that I feel like Pacey has to do the exact same speech at least five times yes. per season now, uh, where he is, I am the black sheep of the family. I'm the black sheep of case. Blah blah, blah blah blah. but at the end of the episode that gets subverted because Andy is the one who's like, Oh, I did half of the project. And then Pacey is the one who turns in like a really stellar yeah. project. It looks like coming to binder, you know, there's graphs in there, Got baby. Yeah. So, I love that like through this process of him being like, well, I'm the black sheep, nothing ever good happens with me, I'm an idiot, I'm a slacker. He challenges himself and actually shows that when you actually commit yourself to something, you do not have to be the person you think you are. Right? You can actually Mm -hmm. break out of that if you (laughs) pull yourself up by the bootstrap, baby, and stop (laughs) eating avocado toast. (laughs) But I mean, he actually does it, and it's great. And I feel like, I mean, who knows what will happen in the future, but by him actually challenging the identity that he thinks he is yeah he becomes pacy 2.0 who knows where we can go from here
2: yeah and on that note about the challenging the role that he has there's andy calls that out straight out let's listen doesn't that sicken you that
1: you're living up to the most common and base of male stereotypes
0: you don't care about your wife and kids. All you care about is this overpriced, absurd piece of metal. Hey, it's got passenger side airbags.
2: <laughs> <laughs> In the most pacey way possible, yeah. right? But yeah. but I I do think that it is it's interesting, right? That he is kind of she's calling him out. Like you are just a male stereotype though. I think he's a little bit more than that at this point in Dawson's Creek. Definitely at the beginning of the show, (laughs) he was just a horny teen, Mm -hmm. but now he's slowly becoming more, but he's also showing that if you just kind of want it, if you work for it, you can have it. It's not necessarily about what your circumstances are.
0: It's the self-fulfilling prophecy that he's allowed himself, find himself in. You always see that it's like the, the, the neckbeard incel that's like, well, women don't want me. And it's like, well, maybe if you actually try right. to better your own yeah. life, then people would be interested in communicating with you instead of just like reveling in your horseshit. So this feels like the first step to, you know, Pacey actually self-actualizing.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. Speaking of self-actualizing, Mitch and Gail... Oh my god. Self actualize their (laughs) open marriage here in a weird way. So confusing.
0: God, Mitch and his fucking Chris Hemsworth arms in this Uh, scene. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: So in this scene, Mitch is scraping a boat. Not sure. (laughs) Uh, Somebody who has a boat, let me know because it looks like he's just got a wire brush and he's just scrubbing the shit out of this boat. I don't know what it's doing. I would imagine it's hurting the boat. Is he angry (laughs) at the boat? I don't know but he's doing that and some dude drives his <laughs> wife home but we know they have a driveway instead of the driveway she just they drive right up on the front lawn she gets out they have a kissy kiss <laughs> on the lips on the lippies and then do like little like floaty fingers at each other as they're like bye and mitch is like
3: and she's like i'll get those papers to you tomorrow
2: mitch whatever. sees like, this whole thing yeah. with a smile on his face <laughs> And then is upset about it, and then Gail is confused about Mitch being confused about. I don't fucking understand this scene. But she's also
3: acting as if like nothing happened, like that she didn't just kiss someone on the lips. I know it's the the nineties. That was like against the open. It's so confusing. It's so confusing.
2: I know (laughs) it's the nineties, and you know people did different things then than they do now. But I can't imagine that. They, you know, we're just like, yeah, you can kiss co-workers on the lips after they give you a ride home after you've been caught cheating. It's fine.
0: Uh, not to sound like Jerry Seinfeld, but the casual kiss. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I feel like the casual kiss used to be like a mainstay of True. American yeah. culture. But I, on I- the cheek – no lips, like, baby. what? Like my parents, I, I have, like, memories of I, them, like, kissing their friends goodbye. That's actually like a good party. point. I oh, do, weird. I have
2: similar, I remember being at a mm-hmm. Halloween party and watching both of my parents kiss their friends on the lips before leaving.
3: Yeah, it did. That was back like, when COVID, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I
1: definitely thought it was very strange, but I also, it to me, it did feel more, like, friendly.
2: Instead of romantic. I agree that it felt friendly, but I just can't. And maybe it's just because we live in the modern time where the friendly kiss is no longer a thing. We would never really think about doing that. But that said, I just couldn't place myself in the shoes of Gail and be like, what just happened? Yes, I was Mm -hmm. cheating on my husband. Mm -hmm. He wants an open marriage. I'm not so sure about it. I'm going to get a ride home from a coworker. He knows that there is some sensitivity there. I bet he's feeling insecure. You know what I'm going to do? Kiss this dude.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's all...
2: Fucking weird. She should have. I I don't know.
3: Yeah, I I feel like either it has to be something where it's like outdated now, or they like took something out of the scene that would have explained it more. I don't. I don't know.
2: Well, I don't. I think we're supposed to draw the conclusion we did because Mitch has the response he has, Mm -hmm. which is no matter. He even says it. you, You know, you're. It's fine for you to get a ride home from your coworker, but I'm allowed to have the feelings I have from them because my trust has been broken. Right, so I think that we're we're supposed to draw this conclusion that, like, yes, this is a normal thing, but he can't see it as a normal thing anymore because their relationship has fundamentally changed
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's 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 hard for me to understand really Gail's perspective here because it's she knows everything that's happened between them, and taking it for granted, like it, she's almost like, well, Mitch knows like he should trust me, so I'm gonna. Yeah. Do these acts right in front of him. He
2: knows I'd only fuck Bob. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> and if he doesn't trust me, then that's a
0: him issue.
2: Yeah. So earlier I was saying that I thought that this plot line was the weakest plot line in the episode because it kind of wiffle waffle, wishy washy, wiffle waffle,
1: wiffle waffle. Yeah. Let's play some waffles, wiffle
2: ball. Um, anyway it goes back and forth and this is an example of that right so earlier in the episode he was like you know what let's drop it I I don't want it I just want us to be happy then this happens he gets upset and he says Thursdays are date nights but I have one fucking rule let's listen to his one rule meaning
4: meaning from this moment on Thursday night is date night we can go out with whomever we want do whatever we want whenever we want and the only rule is we're honest about it See, there's no
2: need to lie. An open marriage allows us that. So the one rule is that they don't lie, that they're honest about what they, whatever they do on a Thursday night, right? Mm-hmm. Let's check back in yeah. on yeah, right. whether or not they're honest, whether or not they <laughs> both adhere to this one rule that mm-hmm. they have set forth for their Thursday night date nights. I'm going to give you a spoiler. They don't fucking follow this rule. Neither one of them does. But I'm just like, this is why it's so confusing and so weak for me. Neither one of them is able to follow through at any point in time with what they want. Maybe that's intentional. Maybe we're supposed to get something from that, but it's fucking frustrating for me. I I think it's supposed to be
0: frustrating. It seems like they're the biggest, their character trajectories right now is like they do not know how to have open communication with each other. And they have constantly built up this facade. And so it seems as though just playing devil's advocate here, but Mitch has built up this, I mean, all of this is like built on a pyramid of bullshit. Like every single thing that has led to this moment is based in them lying to each other, thinking that like they can get over it or everything is fine. This is the thing that I have to do for this to be successful. So it's, it's the kid that uh, lies so much about bullshit Mm -hmm. that it's just like, you're in too deep now. You can't go
4: back. Totally. So
0: Mitch is like, uh yeah, I I forced us into this situation, so I'm gonna lie and say it was a lot of fun. Whereas Gail mm-hmm. is like, well, I went along with this uh, against my wishes, so now I have to lie to make him feel jealous. Sure. Mm-hmm. it's like they'll do fucking anything as long as it's them not being honest with each other. Like they're they've built a house of
2: lies. Mm, interesting, almost like a house that changes its floor plan mm. every couple of episodes. <laughs> dun dun
0: dun dun. <laughs>
2: All right, so they're in Jen's room, and they're talking about, they're, you know, oh, they're just laughing and joking, and oh, they're having such a good time. And they talk about, you know, what they're going to do with their kids, and um, I just want to know what you guys think about this. Let's take a listen. Dawson, if we had kids, they'd be Ivy League material. These prices are astronomical. According to our tax bracket, we would have to earn $60,000 a year just to send one kid to one year of college. It's such a ripoff how how much do they have to earn to send a kid to college 60k a year you think you think we could send a kid to school on 60k a year We can't even buy my groceries my <laughs> what the fuck i know yeah, it's 1998 what? but that just made i yeah. laughed out loud when i saw that for the first i was like oh my god yeah yeah that's
0: hilarious again they're they have that house on a single parent income
2: yeah 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 that's true did you guys notice that Jen's lampshades matched her wallpaper? I don't know yes. if we've talked about this yeah. before. That was the coolest yeah. fucking thing. <laughs> I liked it a lot. I <laughs> want to do that. We don't have wallpaper in our house, but I'm going to find wallpaper and then I'm going to plaster <laughs> it on lampshades <laughs> oh just so we can have this in our home. Sorry, Mal. <laughs>
3: that was probably courtesy of Grams.
2: Oh, yeah. You know it. Yeah. It's interesting that Grams wasn't in a <laughs> single second oh, of this episode. Yes.
3: No I didn't her. even think about that. Miss that
2: old racist lady. <laughs> But this scene is so fucking uncomfortable. It's the beginning of what I hope is a very short-lived phase in Jen's character arc, which is her being like borderline a predator. Like it's so fucking uncomfortable to watch her, like Dawson says it later, throwing herself at Dawson. And Dawson being very lukewarm at absolute best, I would say. How do you guys feel about this interact or these interactions, though? Do you, do you think Dawson is conflicted, or do you think that he's just trying to figure out how to get through it? I think he's trying
3: to figure out how to get through it. It's, it seems uncomfortable for him. Yeah, and
1: I think later he says, like, aren't like this is embarrassing." Like, yeah. Yeah. so I feel like he feels embarrassed for her and mm-hmm. is just trying to, like, yeah, get through it and like not make her not make her feel more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: I've had one situation similar to this in my life where I had a friend who was a alcoholic and she threw herself at me quite regularly and I just felt bad for her because she was a friend of mine who kind of like Anyway, long story. So I didn't know how to be there for this friend. And I just wanted to be there for this friend. So Mm -hmm. I kind of see a lot of that in Mm -hmm. Dawson's relationship with Jen here. He just wants to be there for her. And I think he maybe he feels partly responsible for this downward spiral because he purported to be the person to always be there for her and help her. And now she's stuck like this. And I think he's just – I want to believe he's just trying to figure out how to get through this and also help Jen. But I don't know. It's just so – there are moments where I'm just like, I'm not sure if you're conflicted or not, or if you're, sorry, if you are conflicted.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't get the vibe that he was, but I don't know. Yeah. Which is kind of surprising because he was just like so into her before, but yeah, I wish someone would just like, I mean, later he's like, Hey, what's going on with you? But I just wish someone would check in on her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah really worried about her.
2: I bet we'll get one of those in, I wonder if it'll be next episode or if it'll be by episode six but I have a feeling that by the end of the first quarter of this season we're gonna get that kind of like, for lack of a better term come to Jesus moment for Jen I know she's already had Mm -hmm. that once but she's gonna Mm -hmm. get another one I think where she realizes Grant, oh Gramps' ghost is gonna come back
3: (laughs) (laughs) and check in on her I was just thinking like who's it gonna be that checks in on her, you know Mm -hmm. I wonder is it going to be Grams or a new character or
2: yeah I don't know what if it's Billy Ooh, back from I th- the city.
1: Forgot about him. I just had a uh, a little memory of the show from when I was younger, so I I think I might know who. Ooh, okay, Ooh, okay, but I won't say anything. Um, <laughs> Joey. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, also, it's interesting and very weird that. Dawson has not addressed the drunken kiss that happened before. Oh, yeah. Right. When she threw herself.
2: I totally forgot about that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. or like,
1: does Joey know about that?
2: I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: I don't think so either. Mm
2: -hmm. I think there's a disturbing trend here of Dawson just not telling Joey anything about what's happening, which maybe is for the best because I think... Joey would. It seems re- like
3: Joey kind of knows because she kind of sees it from Jen. So maybe she's just like, eh. Joey you know, knows, let, let but she doesn't like, know. Yeah, you know what I mean. Right? Yeah. She.
2: Kn- I think yeah. she would be livid if she knew that yeah. Jen
1: the details. kissed her. Yeah. 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 I could see an episode being like Jen putting him on blast and being like, "Does Joey know about yeah, our for kisses?" Sure. Right.
2: Yeah. And well, I'll get back to that. There's. I have a thought on that later.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't think Dawson is. Uh, we're not. I don't think we're made to believe this Dawson is a very socially aware character. But it <laughs> you it <don't> not like, say. <laughs> but he's so hyper aware of the situation. Maybe I'm just like wondering if he recognizes this is not Jen. I mean, he obviously tells her that, but he's like, this is so weird. Like, it's not even worth mentioning to Joey because this is all such a right. facade and it would mm-hmm. just create unnecessary drama because this isn't really Jen. Like, yeah. this isn't who she is. It's kind of like yeah. when you
2: know somebody like socially but then you see them at a party for the first time you're like whoa you are a totally different person i didn't know this was the way you were and it's because like whatever they're among their friends and you only know them in this one life it's like J- dawson knows this isn't who jen is to your point that she's like i don't know trying something else out i mm-hmm. don't know it's i just find it very very alarming alarming and sad yeah yeah, cautionary tale for all you people out there.
0: But you know what rules is? This entire time, I've been like begging Michelle Williams to get a uh, like something that isn't just her crying every episode. We finally got it. Yes, we did, it, yep.
2: and she's killing it. Like, she she is. Is. This yeah. is. such a sad performance, and she's doing a really good job. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. Speaking of a sad performance, um, I was gonna say something about going on break, but I don't know how to <laughs> tie that back in. So we're gonna go cry.
4: Bye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: And we're back. Yeah. <laughs> While Pacey and Andy take a tour of a dilapidated shithole apartment, <laughs> they begin to argue over their project momentum, which leads to Andy calling him a slacker and forcing Pacey to explain once again, how he's the black sheep of Cape side and his family. He in turn says she'll never understand as she's rich and spoiled, which hurts her feelings. as She expresses that he really does not know her. Meanwhile, in a nice interior design office, Joey shadows Laura Weston for the econ project described as the embodiment of a successful career woman. Laura tells Joey her success story before picking Joey's brain for advice on a restaurant floor plan, finding mutual benefit in their working relationship elsewhere. Abby implores Jen to up her seduction game with Dawson. And later that night at the Leary's when Joey is trying to take advantage of some alone time with Dawson to make out, Jen arrives all dolled up and interrupts them for their project. When Joey leaves, Jen suggests she and Dawson head to his room Later, Joey arrives at the ice house, finding Bessie and Jack cleaning up after a busy night. When Joey tells Bessie about her experience with Laura, Bessie brushes it off, having needed Joey that night, to which Joey proclaims that she is not a slave to Bessie's needs. Concurrently, Gail had made dinner for Mitch, but he tells her that he's going out because it's Thursday. And later, (laughs) Gail takes his lead and goes out as well.
2: So this is back in the dilapidated apartment. This is where I will return. Stella, you can remove one of those thumbtacks out of your skull. Thank you. There's (laughs) blood all over. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, But this is where I want to return to my point about Pacey and Andy's relationship being a different relationship, something new and fresh for, for Pacey and something that I think we're supposed to pick up on. So in this scene, like you're talking about, he shares about how he is the black sheep of the family and everything. But I think what's interesting about that is instead, normally we see Pacey deflect with humor, right? He jokes, he makes jokes, or he makes a joke out of his own situation, or he just tries to laugh things off, right? That's what we kind of continually see between him and Joey, him and Jen, even him and Dawson. The only time we've ever really seen Dawson and Pacey be like vulnerable with each other is at the end of that party episode where they drive off on the boat together, finally having made up after a whole episode of dancing around each other. But in this one, Pacey is initially joking things off, right? Like the Viper stuff, he's like making a joke out of everything. But then here, when he's challenged, he doesn't joke it off. He doesn't try to play it off like anything. He instead is immediately vulnerable. He bears himself, he tells his story to Andy to try to get her to, one, understand where he's at, but also to recognize um, maybe how good she has it, unknowing to him, right? But to me, this is a huge shift in how Pacey is. His first instinct isn't to joke and deflect with her, it's to be vulnerable and to be authentic, which is not something we typically see from him. So, I don't know, I just think that, like, we, we've been talking about their chemistry, how like great they are, how much we kind of predict them at least getting some somehow involved with each other. And I think that I'm seeing it more and more through this lens as well. There's a reason we're th- we're thinking that it's because Pacey is actually being a real person with Andy, where he's just being kind of a little horny just horny like jester boy with everybody else. Boy, yeah, that's my superhero name. <laughs>
0: I wonder, uh, I feel like a little bit of it is that he recognizes the same thing in her. She uses the exact same tactics mm. to deflect yeah deflect and you know make light of their situation and uh, I think a bullshitter can smell bullshit on another and it 's just kind of like, well, I feel safe with you because we 're cut from the same cloth. right, so he is willing to kind of talk about this, but at the same time, uh, the thing that he doesn 't realize is obviously her wealth situation with her family and so, in a way, it's like we're cut from the same cloth, but, like, I don't know, you got the part of the cloth that has uh, some diamonds glued in. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, on that point, this is, you know, Andy does choose to kind of lean into humor.
0: I'm sorry I'm not the biggest slacker on the planet.
2: Yeah. After all this, you still think I'm lazy. <laughs>
1: no, Pacey. There's lazy, and then there's you.
2: <laughs> and then there's you, there's is there's what you. she says to kind of <laughs> cut off there, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, we get the point, right? She does like to joke around just as much as as Pacey does, and she has that same kind of biting sense of humor that I think Pacey does. And maybe you're right. Maybe that is why he's kind of able to cut through that with her in a way that he can't cut through it with anybody else.
1: You, know, I, I don't know. Like, I thought it was nice that she apologizes for, you know, kind of making these assumptions about him. Um, I mean, I thought it was interesting that he... Just kind of like immediately moves to insulting her.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. he immediately makes an assumption about her without right. even realizing it. This is what we're talking about. I want
0: to know the reason that this
2: assignment is so fascinating to you.
0: In reality, you've never had a problem in your entire life. You drive. A-
3: just a, he just assumes that. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's because
2: like, she drives a Saab, which yeah, yeah like Saabs are especially in the nineties were like a kind of like a luxury vehicle. They're mm-hmm. the car of the. Artist and the creative, right? You have to have a certain kind of wealth to have a sob, but at the same time, it's just a sob. It's you don't know anything else besides that.
1: Yeah. Hmm. I wonder if you like, yeah, if he's feeling defensive, or I don't know.
2: I mean, I think he is feeling confused by the potential my read is i think he's feeling confused by these feelings that he has for for andy and he doesn't know how to parse them so Mm. just like he kind of does with everybody else he kind of like nags them right to to, just like any little kid does you make fun of the people you have a crush on this
3: was uh, as i'm listening to us talking about this i thought this this Was an interesting setting for this to happen in. They're in this dilapidated apartment, viewing this dilapidated apartment, which doesn't even make sense because you're like, Look at this place! Like, this yeah. place isn't going to be actually rented to someone, it's completely dilapidated. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> so, for them to kind of have this, like, you know, happen in this in space, that,
2: it's very, is, um, symbolic, yeah, right? Symbolic, yeah. I mean, this place is basically torn down to the studs, except with drywall on top, right? So, it, it's it's yeah, it's not a, a livable home for them to be yeah. to be actually in. Yet they're here, kind of fantasizing about the life they could have together. In a way,
1: I love the that the landlady like smoking yeah. out the window, being like, "So, are you gonna
3: take the yeah. place? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like no, uh, no."
0: <laughs> Do like a uh, uh, good writing? You should make uh, everything within the text, should represent what's going on with the characters at all times. Uh, Nothing should ever be just random or for the sake of just, like, moving things along. And it seems like it's pointed that the apartment that they're viewing, besides the fact that they're viewing it because their financial situation for the project will only allow them to get a Mm -hmm. shithole, but that place also represents kind of the foundations of what their relationship right now is based on bullshit assumptions of one another. Right now, they cannot... Like, if they were truly honest with each other and, like, they're vulnerable but not vulnerable.
4: <laughs> oh, wow. It's not as
0: vulnerable as they need to be. <laughs> uh, and if they were, it would not be a dilapidated
2: shithole yes. apartment. It would exactly. be a good one.
3: Yeah, because they looked at, what, 12 different apartments? Yeah. but they, That's what they said. This was the one that we saw, yeah. so
2: Yeah, it's very confusing. I don't know why... I mean, I do know, I guess I kind of know why they're using this one, like we're saying. It's supposed to represent the the uncertainty of their life and also the it's supposed to reflect the circumstances they were given. But yeah, I, I kind of wish we got a montage of them looking at different <laughs> mm-hmm. apartments. Mm-hmm. They love to use a montage in Dawson's Creek. They use it to great fun. effect, I think, usually. Um, this would have been a great time to use a montage. We could have got a couple funny little scenes of pacey, <laughs> like... Bowing mm. for no reason. Or I don't know <laughs> what the fuck. <laughs> um, fast forward over to Weston and Associates, the that that cool design firm, and I love this uh, patented office talk that we get in the very beginning here. Let's take a listen. Dale,
4: can you bring me the Farley portfolio? I need to look at it before the meeting. Sure. <laughs> must have always been pretty
2: ambitious to be doing so well. I mean, I love that she's like, "Give me the Farley portfolio," and he's like, "Sure."
3: <laughs> love, though, that their secretary is a man and yeah. everyone else in the office is a woman. Hell yeah. <laughs> yes.
4: Yet
2: again, this show subverting expectations and showing us a little glimpse of potentially the future, right? Yeah. I mean, that wouldn't be so out of place today, but back in 1998, I bet you that was glaring. And also, a woman of color is <laughs> yep. the owner, yep. and a man of color is her secretary. Yeah. I mean... This show does not have very much representation or diversity, but it's good to see that I guess there's our second and third characters of color in the whole show. Yeah, it seems.
0: I mean, again, it's a Mike White script. He's uh, he wants to subvert every expectation in this episode about like roles and identities, and I feel like mm-hmm. this yeah. is a really good way of representing that too for 1998.
2: Totally. So I have a question for y'all. How long exactly do you think is a few years ago? Because Laura is talking about how just a few years ago she was a stay-at-home mom with no job or any Mm -hmm. career aspirations. Then she sent herself back to school, started this firm, and now teaches halftime and designs halftime. So – (laughs) <laughs> a few years ago, in my mind, is like two, three years ago. But I think she's using a different definition,
1: yeah. or she has one of those things that Hermione,
2: oh. has
1: in Harry Potter, so she can oh. take all those classes, yes, yes. and um, is so she can do it all. <gasps> what
2: Harry if she, what she talks about teaching halftime? Yes. What, what, what if, if she, she teaches is at Hogwarts? <laughs> yes. Oh, oh my, my god! It comes full circle.
3: Damn love though in the scene that joey uh is starting to feel empowered yes because she gets to offer advice yeah and gets the- validated by a professional
2: we're talking you know. about this specific okay hold on <laughs> we're talking about this here i have something listen
3: now joey
1: we're doing the designs for a chain of mexican restaurants come take a look at these floor plans <clears> That looks good to me No, <laughs> you know look closer do you see any potential problems
2: a chain of mexican restaurants you say do we think that the kelp is spelled <laughs> q u e l p
4: okay <Or>
1: <laughs> i was going to say i thought you were going to say something about like potential competition, competition for yeah. the ice house or for the ice
2: house Yeah. Even? no yeah. no no i'm pretty sure the kelp is a mexican restaurant kelp <laughs> the quelp.
1: anyone know how to say kelp in spanish
2: no no do you?
1: No, oh, I okay. wish I knew.
2: Listeners, write in. <laughs> <laughs> Tell, Just send us that single word. We will have no idea, but I love it. We will read it on the show. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, Quelpo.
2: Wow. So I'm not too far off.
0: <laughs> Never seen you so excited. <laughs>
2: love it.
1: Um, also, okay, What? I don't know if this is worth talking about or not, but just like, what was the point of Laura being like, hey, take a look at these, like knowing that something was wrong, that the bar and the yeah. restaurant were further apart?
2: Yeah, I, <laughs> I have some headcanon here that I'd like to present. So. We see her, she calls her over and there's another woman who's like standing awkward, just for no reason, standing at this table. I'm not sure, I'm assuming she's the one who worked on these plans. And when Joey weighs in, we see her reaction and she's like, this fucking bitch, this fucking little kid coming in here. So I think that Laura was like, I think i hired the wrong person here i don't think she knows what she's doing um i need this 15 year old to look at these plans here and see because I, I don't know she's a little bit of a bright spot maybe she could bring a spark to this organization so i'm pretty sure that girl got canned as soon as this scene yeah. ends because yeah. we even hear later she's got an open invitation to come back whenever she wants
0: i do like the idea of a uh, like a white this is you know a white collar job they're uh they they're making this thing without consideration of the blue collar workers. They're going to be like the ones trapped in the environment of their creation. So it feels like for the first time, Laura's like, Oh, I should actually ask someone that would be involved with this. Like if it would work or not. And obviously that, that woman who looks so fucking pissed (laughs) uh, from Joey's advice is like clearly someone that's rich. That Mm -hmm. was like, Oh, I've never even like thought of what it might be be to like actually work in a restaurant, I just assumed and I want to make it look cool based on yeah. like mm-hmm. my bullshit vision of what a restaurant is supposed to be.
1: We're back at the cafe again. Moliers. Mm-hmm. Mollier. Mollier.
3: Mollier? Um, I Can't wait till we actually hear them somebody say, say, say it. It. yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> at the point Mollier's. we got to hear someone say that. It's say gotta, it. gotta be Mali yeah. Silent
0: M. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um yeah just I mean we already kind of like talked about this but just Jen laughing at Abby being yeah. very mean to Kenny. Kenny thinks, yeah, <laughs> um, w- which doesn't feel really genuine. It just feels like Jen's kind of putting on an act, and Abby just seems very obsessed with Jen getting to mm-hmm. fuck jo- Dawson. Dawson.
2: Yeah, <laughs> just- I like um, when Abby's like after this this whole episode, she's been treating Kenny like he's a little toad that just needs to be stepped on. And this time she's like, Kenny, what do you think about Joey? And Kenny's <laughs> like, she's hot!
4: <laughs> Fuck yeah, Kenny. Get some.
2: I like it. Fuck yeah. I that thought that was cool laugh. as hell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, you know what, Abby, I think we should be working on our project. <laughs> is Kenny an older? Well, this <laughs> is how Kenny sounded okay. to me. Did I get okay. a different version of yeah. the show than all of you? He didn't sound like that to you guys? <laughs>
1: um. Really like Abby, sorry, abigail's I shirt.
3: Yes. Yeah, that outfit was change what made me think of Delia's too. It was just
2: like, oh yes. yes. Did you notice Jen's shirt? This yeah. reminded me heavily of the '90s. It was like yep. a red with the uh, net, like, yeah, like, like, like mesh, mesh, mesh sleeves. Yeah, mm-hmm. felt like yeah. that was a very '90s thing to have transparent or semi-opaque yes. sleeves mm-hmm. for yes. no fucking reason.
3: Yeah, I feel like they're trying some interesting stuff with her outfits, and maybe it's part of that. uh You know, her trying to figure herself out. I don't yes. know.
2: Gives yeah. me Spice Girls vibes every mm-hmm. time I yeah, see a the bit, way yeah. she's dressing. But then we go to the Leary kitchen and um, both Mitch and Gail are getting ready for their, well, sorry, Gail is getting ready for a romantic candlelit dinner. Yeah. Does she know it's date night and she's just testing? That's my question. Mm. I
3: don't think no, so. Did think she forget? I think she genuinely thought like, oh, I'm going to get dinner ready for. But for she evening.
2: does a candlelit romantic dinner. That's like, it's date That's night. True. You know what I mean? I feel like Actually, she's testing I, him. no, you're.
3: Initially, going into the scene, I did think that she was getting ready for a date night because it came off. Yeah, it did come off as like not like dinner yeah, for it's the not evening just like for regular for, for family dinner. And she's only setting yeah. the
2: table for two, mm-hmm.
3: right? That mm-hmm. they
2: forget that they have a son.
3: No, I think we're supposed to wonder that. Like initially oh. in that scene, is she getting ready for the date night or I think, it, yeah? And then of course we find out that she didn't remember. How, how that. cool
2: would it have been if when Mitch came down, he's like, um. it's date night. And she's like, oh no, I know Bob's coming over.
3: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) totally.
1: (laughs) Well, I, early in the episode, Gail accuses Mitch of being manipulative for bringing up the open marriage. And I was like, I don't think he, you know, I think he's just trying to like throw out ideas to try Mm -hmm. and help them. But in this scene where he's like, well, it's Thursday, it's date night. It felt like he's very, being very manipulative there. And it's like when she's like really trying to like put in some effort, And he's just like, nope, got to go. I made plans. When we clearly see later that he doesn't have plans, he's just hanging out at a bar by himself. And she made a full,
3: like there's a full plate of food there that he's just like, nah, like sorry. We also never see her
2: confirm this. We see him propose Thursday is date night and I got one fucking rule. But then we never see her say or confirm that, yeah, okay. So it just feels very authoritative Mm -hmm. and very confusing. But God damn! I got to say, if I saw Mitch dressed like that, I would <laughs> fuck the shit out of that man wearing a polo tee and some, I don't know, khakis. Goddamn, he looks like a coach or maybe a Bible salesman, but so fuckable.
3: So hot. <laughs>
0: those,
2: those arms. God.
3: Oh, man. Yeah yeah it didn't I, make sense <laughs> to me <laughs> no i had the same thought i was like what he's going out this Like, is what date is date night yeah it, it looked like more like gail was getting ready for date night because she had a dress on and she did look like, like she, was she was about was... to go
2: bury her dog though it was like a <laughs> like a floor length dress okay. <laughs> I, <don't
4: know. laughs> I, I just think they're both like
0: really self-destructive people yeah. and they're just like just seeing how long can we stretch out this madness before yeah. we can finally come to terms with it like it seems like Mitch is willing to do everything it possibly takes other than admitting like, you know what, this is a bad idea and I just want you back. Like, yeah. I don't know, what, mm-hmm. it's so hard for him to say it, but it also is so hard for Gail to do it too.
2: I know, it's like, why can't you just say, this hurt me? Because
0: yeah. mm-hmm. that's what he's really trying to yeah. say,
2: this hurt me. But instead he's saying, I want to hurt you back. I mean, like, he doesn't even yeah. know what he's trying to say.
4: Yeah, because that's Mm-mm. even
2: what what Gail says. Like, if you need to go sow your oats to get back at me, and he's like, no, 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 I, and he drops it immediately. Right then, this is back mm-hmm. in Act One. It's it's confusing. He definitely doesn't know what he wants, but he knows that he wants. I don't. I have no fucking idea.
1: Yeah, and I feel like we haven't. I don't know. This seemed like Gail really making an effort, you know, which yeah. I feel like we haven't seen too much of.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, We've, we've seen her making an effort sexually, but yes. not in, like, other ways. Yes. Yeah, emotionally
2: yeah. or romantically.
1: Yeah, so it, to me it seemed really um, strange that he would, like, turn that down. But again, it just, yeah, it seems like he's in this, like, mindset of, like, okay, I got to get her back or, like, make her feel right. jealous or
0: something. And uh, I mean, he yeah. knows it'll hurt her feelings. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So I guess he is manipulative. Like, he knows that this will hurt her feelings. I and mean, this is, like, his way of... Uh, after like 18 layers of bullshit lying, like this is the way that he feels like he's like, I can get back at her and get what I want, even though I'm not getting what I want, but at least it'll make her feel something that she made me feel.
4: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you guys are really giving him like the short end of the stick here because we've all been there, right? Like we've got plans at Duke's. (laughs) We gotta go stand in a bar by ourselves for a couple hours and stare just at people. Stare at people, yeah. <laughs> Talk to one girl who's clearly got somebody else there that she's with. I mean, God, we've all been there. So I don't know what you guys are saying here, Dukes. Dukes, do you guys want to go to Dukes after this?
1: Should we get one of those like neon signs custom made for mm. Dukes? Mm.
2: Yes.
3: Put it on our X wall. To the posters. Yes. Yeah. The
2: answer is yes. And then the other wall will be kelp-themed. Yes. 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 I love Get it. Get a
3: creek going in here.
2: Oh, okay. That'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Be very moldy. Water feature. <laughs> this is a good brainstorm
0: for all of you listeners out there that are wondering, should we do a Dawson's Creek podcast as well? These are good podcast
2: names. The Kelp, Dukes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Yes. laughs> a creek runs through it. <laughs> Um. so yeah while all of this is going on Dawson and Joey are like finger banging on the porch I don't yeah. I really <laughs> I don't know I I just feel bad for Dawson in this scene specifically as you know the, the Gail walks out and basically is just like hey if your dad comes home tell him I'm out fucking a stranger please make sure it hurts <sighs> And this is Dawson's response. I've given up trying to figure out my parents. So I don't know. It just <laughs> it's really weird right now. To your point, Cody, Mike White is the king of show and tell because, or show not tell because if this were a different writer for this episode, we would have gotten like 25 minutes straight about Dawson moping about how hard mm. his life has been. And instead, this is the one moment we get and we feel it because we yeah. see it. Mm-hmm. right? Like, I felt horrible for Dawson, and when this is what's happening for him. And I don't know, it's just really sad.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, uh, like we already feel like we're an outside witness to whatever's going on with Mission Gale, because it's confusing to us. I can't imagine how much more confusing it'd be for him. He's not seeing the scenes the we thing. so all he sees is just them by themselves, Mission yeah. Gale, and them being weird as fuck, and then doing this. And then, obviously, Communicating with your child, like through your child, yes. is like the worst fucking thing you could possibly Super do. Healthy. So it's just, yeah, it's oh,
2: really healthy. Yeah, it's definitely like one of those signs of like a good functioning family is if you <laughs> use your 15 year old son as your communication tool. Words to all the fam, the parents out there.
1: <laughs> yeah, it makes me feel like a teenager again. <laughs> um, thought it was funny, just like after all the precautions about at the beginning of making sure that they weren't Joey and Dawson were alone together they were like Here, "Yeah, have the whole house to yourself it's date yeah. night I
2: guess date night goes to you guys too <laughs> yeah yeah i do want to give joey props for not taking the bait when jen walks in all dolled mm-hmm, up mm-hmm. and joey is like no no you're i'm i'm good i was just leaving she doesn't like cause a scene and instead she gets one subtle dig right. as she's walking by she's like nice dress jen's like i borrowed it I yeah bet. i bet <laughs>
1: Fuck yeah, Joey. Yeah. yeah. you didn't,
2: know what's going on. Didn't like the dress,
1: Didn't think she looked good mm-hmm. or comfortable in it like I thought she looked really uncomfortable and stiff yeah mm-hmm. in this outfit in the next couple of scenes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: It reminded me of those like puppets that that people have where it's like just a stick that goes up through the back and then a couple things to control the hands because she was just like stick straight, so stiff. It looked like she had a big old stick up her butt.
0: Mm-hmm. And she looked like a straw.
3: <laughs> i want to talk about jack for a second in this scene um so I, this is the second or other time that we've seen that jack experiences a fight between between joey and another character yep. um, he was there for the fight and experienced the fight between dawson and joey and now he's seeing joey and bessie fight and so far all we've seen jack do is kind of cleaning up the ice house so i'm kind of wondering will jack play a role in Cleaning up some part of Joey's life,
2: oh, in yeah. some way. Mm. I Good read that's awesome down the line. Yeah, yeah. I think we are foreshadow. I, I think we are foreshadowing a return to Dawson and Jen. And with that, just like you were saying, right? Joey is still kind of a symbol of the past for Dawson. He wants to move forward. Jen is trying to embody this adult person. Je- Dawson's going to flip, go to the adult. Joey's going to be left in the dirt, and who's going to be there to pick him up? Her up. Jack? Jack. Jack. Yes. That's what I think.
4: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I want more Jack.
2: He's cool as hell. Yeah. He's really empathetic, and he's really wise, and I like the way that he interacts with Joey. I mean, we've only really seen him interact with Joey, but I really like the way he interacts with her. It's really caring, you know? Yeah, I feel
3: like his interaction, or so what we've seen of him, seen of him so far really pack a punch. Like there's yeah. like, it's like little, a little bit, but a lot. Like,
2: He's very insightful. So far. I want to know if he's older or younger. Do we know if he's older or younger than Andy? We don't know yet. I don't know. Uh,
0: we've talked at length also about like, what we, how would we recast this show if we were to reboot it? And I honestly think like a really good, Actor or character that could play Jack is Treebeard from Lord of the Rings, the giant uh, walking tree creature, because he's wise beyond his years. He's extremely empathetic and insightful. He understands uh, the meaning to be in between transitional phases of you know
2: power dynamics. So right.
4: Drew.
2: I love that. I think that we really do need to open up casting for this teen drama into fantasy creatures because I think Pan, the the uh, the creature from Pan's Labyrinth with the eyes in his oh. palms. Who would that be? Dawson. Dawson, clearly. That, he, he's naked all the time. I mean, God, it's like he's kind of wet. You know, <laughs> kind of like ET. Okay, okay, there we go. We'll recast ET as the, the creature oh from God. Pan's Labyrinth.
0: A first fight always (laughs) leads to a first makeup. (laughs) (laughs) I love that.
1: Um, I know we're only like a few episodes into this season, but I feel like um, in general, it's like we've seen very little of all the characters interacting together. It's very much like Joey and Dawson, Jen and Abby, Pacey and Andy, um, yeah. which is like interesting to see the, the kind of like the different dynamics, but I, I'm i really wanting more of every, like and we haven't even seen Andy interact with Jen
2: mm-hmm.
1: barely with Joey
2: or Dawson. I don't think we've even seen Andy mm. interact with yeah. Dawson. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You're
4: right.
2: Yeah. It's the season so far has been so much more focused into their mm. little bubbles, which is, yeah. I think a real refreshing change of pace, but I think that's more towards the point about the better writing because in season one, we would have all these different disparate plot points that felt completely unrelated. Now we're getting season two where there's these disparate plot points, but they're all relating back to whatever the theme is at hand. But I Mm -hmm. would love to see, which is interesting that we did have this big party, but I would love Mm. to see them all interacting together Um, either at a party or at the movie theater or wherever, somewhere, yeah. something.
3: We haven't even seen Andy and her brother interact. I know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I wonder I'm trying to think of the perspective of a writer's room because you always, you know, for a show like this, you want to have an A story and a B story, and it's like, okay, so if we put all the kids together in one thing, like they're at a house party or something, what is the B story gonna be? And I feel like There, there's a little bit of self awareness whenever I see us going back to Mitch and Gale because it is stretched thin, and we're like we're really pushing something that is like doesn't have a lot of legs to it. So I'm wondering if for them they're just like if we only did the A story as the kids and the B story as Mitch and Gale, that's not going to work. It's going to be so weak, and everyone's going to be really bored during those sequences. So I wonder if that's why they keep breaking up off into these little pockets because they don't have a strong enough B story to go back to Yeah. Um, because right now when Mm -hmm. you have like all these little different bubbles of our characters when you hop around it's fun because you get to see these like little worlds and then you're you're never like the only weak point is the Mitch and Gail stuff but thankfully it's only a couple scenes yeah Mm -hmm. I don't don't know I don't know I want I mean like I want everything that you want too it's like we just have to figure out a good B plot to keep that momentum going
1: yeah
4: Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping we'll get there. I really because I really, really loved that scene with um, Pacey and Jen. Like I feel like there's just yeah, there's just so much to explore within all these different relationships. Yeah. But you know. We'll get there. We'll get there. We'll
2: get there. We still have twenty three more episodes <laughs> in this season, so I think <laughs> we got time. A hundred plus, yeah, of the
4: series.
1: I have, wait, I sorry. I have a random funny thing. I was talking with a friend of the show mentioned earlier, Haley, and she was like, "Yeah, I'm noticing like because she so she's starting from the beginning from season one, and that she's noticing that how our our takes are that like yeah, I really feel like this is going to get better. Like we keep <laughs> really having like these high expectations."
2: <laughs> nothing it's, happening. It's got to get better.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like season, season two's jump in quality is so profound yeah. in comparison to season one. So who knows? By, maybe by season six, this is like Sopranos-level television. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Must see. Oh, man. <laughs> Must watch. We'll see. Well, speaking of um, little disparate pockets of fun, we're going to go take a little break to our own little disparate pocket of fun.
4: Bye-bye. bye bye
0: We're back. Later that night, Pacey shows up at the ice house for some coffee and vents to Jack about his sister, Andy, (laughs) being spoiled. Jack reveals that they've actually gone through quite a bit of financial hardship and to give Andy a break. Back in Dawson's room, he and Jen finish the project, which opens the door for Jen to make some unsubtle advances. Dawson rightfully calls her out, but Jen says she doesn't respect his relationship with Joey and she'll always be an option. When Dawson asks what happened to the Jen he used to know, she says she got bored and kisses him before leaving, looking sad from her own actions. The next day, Bessie comes home after cleaning the ice house all night and, record scratch, fires Joey. When Joey tries to apologize, Bessie tells her that she realized Joey was kind of right and having her work at the ice house is robbing her of her life. Joey tells Bessie that she's proud of her for everything she has done and continues to do. At school, the kids turn in their projects, When it's Andy's turn and she's about to hand in a Pacey-less report, Pacey shows up and hands in a substantial project that encompasses both their efforts. After class, Dawson celebrates the project being over while Joey feels satisfied by what she learned. When they kiss, Abby and Jen walk by with Abby shouting, get a room, and Dawson says he doesn't know what that's about. Elsewhere... Andy thanks Pacey for finishing the project, and he apologizes to her for assuming things about her personal life. When they playfully bicker about the project's details, they walk by none other than Pacey's ex-groomer, Miss Tamara Jacobs. <clears throat> thankfully, avoiding her stares. And lest we forget, the B plot of Mitch and Gale, whose Thursday night escapades turned out to be lonely, but when they came back to bed with one another, they lie to each other about how much fun they had before going to sleep, turned away from one another.
3: Okay. I want to talk about the B plot just for a second first. Yeah. Because we're in Mollier's Market. Mollier. Of course, with Gail. Mm-hmm. Mitch is at Duke's. Did anyone notice who else is in Mollier's Market? Did you?
2: You guys didn't notice?
3: Okay. What? Oh, okay. You I guys are in for true. Was, it, was, it, in. Was, it,
0: was it Cole? With no, it was Adam.
3: Mike White.
4: Oh, he's no, sitting yes. at a table
3: and I don't know if James noticed this. James, we, we both saw Mike White, but he's sitting at a table writing yes. and he has crumples of paper yes. all over the table and you actually hear him crumple a piece of paper <laughs> and throw it. And so this is Mitch and Gale's plot line. This is him
2: mm. writing their plot Oh, line. interesting. I love that idea. <laughs> uh, oh my God, I'm <laughs> so
3: excited. Yeah. That is so fun. Yes. We
2: will try. He
3: scans by his table and yeah. there he's he is He's in the very first- he's like writing and
2: in the very first part of that scene, after Gail gets her coffee and starts to walk away, they scan through the, the shot, and the <laughs> very first person, it's Mike White on a table by himself. That's so rad.
1: Wow. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's really fun. I don't know if we should just talk about this right now, but that coffee shop is popping off.
2: <laughs> it really is.
1: At first, I was like, okay, maybe this is like a... Uh, what do you call it? Date, um, like, a,
2: like a speed dating, speed dating thing. thing yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: but there's like it seemed like not that.
3: It, it, to me, it seemed like one of those like 24 hour cafes, or you mm. know, like the coffee shops that are mm-hmm. like open late mm-hmm. for evening Ugh. coffee cocktails. I don't know, but like initially, I wouldn't have thought of that market being that until yeah. You see, Gail go there. It's there like are, the
1: <laughs> most amount of people we've seen in
2: I one. spot. Yeah.
0: and everyone, it's like so. lively. Yeah, like people yes. are hanging out. Yeah, re- so recently, Stella and I were talking about how there's um there's not a lot of options. Like if you're if you don't drink alcohol, to like have like a fun like place to hang out in Portland. Mm-hmm. And Stella reminded me there's like a an alcohol less bar that had Damn. like a pop up and like they're yeah. You know, but then I was like, but well, it's not going to be the same environment because it's still going to be like eleven o'clock at night and a bunch of sober people <laughs> in booths not yeah. talking to each other. <laughs> like that's not going to change anything. <laughs> Which, but this place, it's like people are, you know, they have their they're Americanos so, and they're losing yeah. their minds.
2: They're so happy. Yeah. They're like,
4: oh, oh
3: what's yeah. up? Yeah. It looked more exciting than what was happening at Duke's. Yeah, I mean, I my initial
1: thought was like, this kind of sucks and feels like a little bit unbelievable that they're both by themselves. I mean, I think that's supposed to be kind of like the point. Mm-hmm. They're just like sad and alone, though. But it's just like really like Gail couldn't like call up a friend to come meet up with her. And Mitch isn't, like, hanging out with Cole or, like, any, I don't know. I didn't really like that. I Mm -hmm.
2: thought what I got from that was that we were supposed to see that, like, oh, they're so out of practice, they don't know how to talk to people. But then what's not, what doesn't quite work for me with that is, like, we already know Gail can get it. You know what I mean? So, like, the notion that she's just going to be, like, awkwardly but I guess at the same time she isn't really committed to this yet
4: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right I
2: think she's just doing it to say she did it whereas I do think that Mitch is actually trying because of of both of these scenes he's the only person we see actually try to approach somebody as casually and as as like weak as it was he does try to say hi to that girl at, the, at Duke's as she is leaving with somebody else which made me laugh because I was like dude she's clearly leaving like yeah
3: because like we know Gail did that at work so that's a whole different environment that she was able to you know like do something you know but she by by herself sitting there and yeah I don't
0: Yeah, I I still think they're both begrudgingly going through the motions like even when Mitch is like even if he's like trying to like ask her out or hit on her or anything, like he knows she's leaving. He's just like, right? Mm-hmm. he's like, it's okay. to say he could
2: did. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
0: I, I don't think either of them were really expecting to hook up or go home with anyone that night. It's more like, well, I'm proving this to myself because we're fighting right now. Right. And if I do this then that's what I'm supposed to do.
2: Because- See, I, I could talk to anybody here. Yeah. I could get any one of these,
0: these girls. Yeah. Like even if Mitch like went home with someone, like he would be miserable the entire time.
2: Oh yeah. Mm hmm. Well, I mean that polo shirt and those, you know, he's never going to find somebody who's going to like appreciate him for the the true man he is <laughs> at Duke's. Mm. Let's take a quick wind back to the very first scene in the act, which is Jack and P- Pacey walking into the ice house and wanting a cup of coffee despite them being closed up. And what does and or what does Jack do? He gives Pacey the cup of coffee. He hears him out. And then he even gives him the story, the lowdown on on the McPhee family tragedy, I guess. Except not really. All we we know is that they used to be more wealthy than they are.
3: The last remains of a decaying dynasty. Yes.
2: Jack's role here as a bartender.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: as like a Sam and Cheers kind of situation feels very strange. Especially, I don't really give a fuck about realism and TV. Like as long as it makes sense to the world that they're living in, it's fine. I'll let it fly. But it seems very strange that it's after hours and uh, they just had like a fresh brew coffee going. at uh, Like right. what yeah. I assume is very late at night because if you're closing a restaurant, you're, that restaurant's going to be open for at least until like 10 So let's say it's 11 o'clock. Pacey just rolls into a a closed (laughs) restaurant and asks for a cup of coffee. (laughs) Very strange. Do you love the role of Jack being the altruistic, empathetic tree beard
2: that he should be? I bet that coffee was brewed this morning. And he's just like, yeah, whatever you say, bud, here you go. Yeah, let me microwave that up for you real quick.
3: (laughs) What do you all think about Pacey immediately jumping to the conclusion that Andy might be on medication? Yeah, (laughs) I I got this clip.
2: I love this. Let's take a listen. Uh, Listen, is your sister on any medication? Because she just went completely ballistic on me. What'd you do? Nothing. I just called her a spoiled princess. She goes psycho. I like that he's like, nothing. I didn't do anything. All I did was call her a spoiled princess (laughs) and imply that because she's rich, she has no problems in her life. What's so wrong with that?
1: I do wonder if it's foreshadowing because I think we've talked about like that we've heard that mental health kind of comes up more Mm. in this show. So I wonder if.
2: Interesting.
3: Yeah, I just I thought Jack was a good brother here for asking Oh yeah, Casey to give Andy a break, definitely. You know,
2: I, good like guy Jack. A, yeah, he know? and
3: Andy se- seems like they're close.
0: Ooh, this is good too because it's uh it's an opportunity for the show to show two men react in a way that isn't uh, like straight to anger or like frustration. Mm-hmm. Like clearly, Jack is upset that. Yeah, Pacey was an asshole to his sister, but instead of directly yelling at him, he's like, "Oh, well, actually, like this is our situation, so you should probably consider that the next time that you're with her." You know, yeah, it's yeah. it's good representation for like masculinity that is not toxic totally. in a show that is filled with toxic masculinity.
2: I don't know what you mean. Because, <laughs> I, well, I mean. Let's let's go ahead and just jump into Dawson and Jen in their room. I think that this is um, <sighs> the worst part of the episode, but I think it's also the worst part of the episode by design. I think we're all supposed to feel as uncomfortable and um, grossed out as we do in this moment when Jen is saying things like this. God, I'm so beat. Uh I don't think I can even make it next door. Do you mind if I just crash here
0: for
3: the night? <laughs> Actually, yeah. I do. What?
2: What did you what do you mean? What do you mean what?
0: I mean, I think this too is like a really good example of subverting our expectations because usually this role would be designed oh, for yeah. a man mm-hmm. to be like yeah. all over a girl who's like, "Please leave me alone," um, and again handled very well. Yeah, this is designed by design like to make us extremely uncomfortable. Um, it reminds me of that Simpsons episode where Bart has a crush on his babysitter and um oh, what the fuck is the bully's name in that show? Uh, like the older kid who wears like this gold T shirt. Randy. Um, no. Nelson. No, not Nelson.
2: <laughs> Randy. Every Simpsons <laughs> Let's try is, like, that one screaming again right now. But
0: he like comes <laughs> over and he's like, "Hey, is it cool if I take my pants off? They're really chafing me right now, <laughs> man." And it's like clearly what she's doing right. in this to Dawson, and he's not having any of it. And also, just props to Dawson again yeah. for being like strong in this, not reacting in a way that like belittles her, but a way to be like. Yeah, this is not you and this is embarrassing and I'm very like sorry that this is happening right now
4: mm-hmm. yeah
1: oh it, oh she's just uh, straight up like gaslighting him oh yeah, yeah. like hardcore
3: 100% yeah
2: yeah I, I I think I capped that let's take a listen here because I, I thought the exact same thing I was like Jen what the fuck are you doing mm-hmm Dawson, if you can't handle being in the same room with me, I think... Okay, maybe... look, I can handle being in the same room with you. I just can't handle you throwing yourself at me every other second. I mean, don't you find it humiliating?
3: I'm not humiliating anybody, Dawson.
2: And I know that you're with Joey, and I accept that. I just don't respect it. And I don't mean this in a slutty, self-degrading sort of way, but I want to let you know that you've got options. And I'm one of Boo. But, that, mm-hmm. but that moment where she's like, if you can't handle being, yeah. in, it's like, uh, what the fuck?
1: Yeah. That. And then, but bef- I think before that she, she, when she says like, can I stay the night? Yeah. And he's like, nah. No. And she's like, well, if you can't handle like right. me sleeping over or like something about
2: not like, nobody said anything about sleeping together. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 And he's like, uh, what else? You know what I mean? It's just like, that's, Honestly, like scary to to watch because yeah. it, that just is like cl- Abby is getting into her head. Right, mm-hmm. this has all been planted in Dawson's or <laughs> in Jen's head by Abby, and it's it's worrying because that that's like I think when wh- what we see is after this, Jen tells her that right. Jen mm-hmm. Jen tells Dawson, "I just want you to know you have options, and I'm one of them." She kisses him and then she walks out and leaves. And we see she pauses Mm -hmm. in the hallway hallway. and she has this look on her face in that moment where she almost looks like disappointed in herself or something, I don't know.
3: So right before that, when Dawson asks what happened to her, he recognizes that this is not Jen. He asks what happened to her. She she refers to herself in the third person. Yeah. She says she got bored and she decided to liven things up a bit, which I thought was significant because she's not talking about herself. Mm -mm. She's talking about someone else that's not her.
2: So, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. Jimbo Jones.
0: The Simpsons character is Jimbo (laughs) Jones. Oh. Thank God. Yes. No. Mal. 100%. I love that idea of like her talking in the third person because it's uh, that clash of identities. If this Mm -hmm. was a David Lynch project, halfway through this episode, they'd wake up and they would be the people that they're pretending to be and Mm -hmm. they'd be like a new character. Named.
2: Jimbo Jones. Jenny. Her, yeah. Jennifer. <laughs> Jennifer. Um, have you guys noticed that this show has like a weird, I don't know if obsession is the right word, but often when there are these like, deep or impactful scenes happening. There's like the use of industrial sounds on in the background, like fog horns or train horns. In this scene, while J- Jen and Dawson are like arguing in their room, there's a couple times where you hear this like train horn in the background, which hmm. I think imparts this certain sense of like loneliness or forlornness or like whatever being on the move that that sound kind of, because Twin Peaks is the same thing, though that's because it's based around this aquatic Ooh, aquatic themed restaurant. Is Twin Peaks actually taking place in the kelp? Um, Anyway, I just I just find that interesting, and I want to start like tracking that because it comes in and out, and I feel like I notice it more in these moments where it's like Mm -hmm. a pivotal moment in the show or in in a character's arc.
0: Well, I think like trains are traditionally used as uh, like a symbol for progress. Like if you think of like uh, Panther Panchali, uh, like the train is like. I often
2: do think (laughs) of yeah.
1: Thank you.
0: That's right. my go-to. <laughs> uh, exactly. The Satya G. Ray movie is really good. Uh, the Apu trilogy. But like the like a train is used to like signify like progress and this idea of like transitioning from like one period to another. Right. Uh, like the, the world is changing, right? And I, I think here that could also be the case. Right. It's like we hear these sounds in the background. If it is a train, then it's like, well, this show is kind of railroaded towards progress. We're like... Yeah. Going forward and there's no like we can't stop we can never go back to what we once were before which could mm. go with Jen and like Dawson being like we can never have a relationship again because you're choosing to be this new person and that's not the person that I was in love with before this all happened but we can never go back now that I know that you're willing to put on this facade.
4: Mm.
0: We, I can never be in a relationship with you again because I know that there's like these two different identities that are constantly struggling. Interesting.
2: Um, I like that read
0: could also be something completely different. I don't know. I mean, and I also do appreciate just like the general sound design of the show to reinforce like where they are at all times. Um, I know I've complained about it before, but like all these like star Wars shows where they're just like shooting like in a warehouse with like the big like led panel, it's like Mm. airless and there's nothing. And they're just in these like (laughs) tight rooms that have no like exterior sounds. This feels so lived in. And I actually feel like I'm in Cape side when I watch these scenes and smell that sea air.
2: Yeah, Salty. the BO. Salt. <laughs> Not enough
4: cause. <cars laughs> <from the seagulls. laughs>
2: I also think that potentially the train and foghorn could be a warning sound, right? Because trains sound yeah. their horn as they're coming up to a crossing and, and, and boats sound their foghorn when it's foggy or I don't know. There's yes. probably some kind of warning tied in there, but yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think here. I love symbolism. I love talking about this shit. So, uh, pardon me, but like, uh, what the, the the purpose of a foghorn is because you're you're driving blind, right? right. Like, it's to direct you. So, True. I mean, it is like all these characters right now are driving blind. Yep. They're hoping for the best right now, and there really isn't like a call into the port that they need, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. This is good, Mike White. Don't crumble this idea.
2: <laughs>
1: well. Back at a uh, uh, Mr. Manmeet's bedroom. <laughs> oh
4: my gosh!
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we we see them both lie. Yep. And did you notice
3: how many pillows? <laughs> yes. They, so so they're. I love this because they're lying to each other they're not and they're sitting there and it's that I like I counted the amount of pillows that they are removing from the bed 10 pillows and in fact it's only Mitch G- Gail's just standing there while they're like cryptically looking at each other and he's removing pillow after pillow after <laughs> pillow off the bed and it's like going on forever and it's just, it, it made this scene feel so awkward like <laughs>
2: Mean, Some say he's still removing pillows from like, that bed.
3: It, it, yeah, I just loved it because it was already so awkward. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, do they put all these pillows back on the bed every day? And like, I don't know. It was people be doing that. Yeah,
0: if this was like a oh who who's the person that did like airplane and the naked gun? Um, <laughs> if they if it was them doing this, it would just be like endless. Like they would never stop taking. Pillows
4: yeah. off. <laughs> the Entire.
1: Scene. Um. Ugh. Yeah. So I, I think you know. Mitch is, seems like happy with himself. Like, oh, well, I talked to some people and mm-hmm. um and it, it seems like he's like wanting to get a reaction out of Gail. Yeah. And then she's like, well, I'm glad you had a nice time. And then just kind of like turns over, um which, you know, feels passive aggressive, but also I was kind of like, yeah, sister, like sister friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I think, I wonder... What was he hoping to get out of her? Like, what was the reaction he was wanting or a conversation he was wanting to have from that? I don't know. He got what he wanted.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, but he's he looks kind of, like, surprised when she
0: turns over. Yeah,
3: I don't know if he got what he wanted.
0: Yeah. yeah he got what he wanted begrudgingly. Like, he doesn't yeah. want this, but he wants it too. He's like, I want to hurt her feelings, but I don't right. want her to be mad at me. It's yeah. like... You can't right. have your cake and eat it too. Yeah.
1: Right, yeah. Maybe, he, yeah, he just like didn't feel good after all mm-hmm. of it. It's just like, oh, well, this sucks.
0: Yeah, like I got her, but now yeah. I feel like shit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you can't like disconnect yeah. those ideas.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think it just gets at their inability like you so perfectly summarized earlier, Cody that it just gets at their inability to actually be able to have real honest communication because the one rule for this whole thing that they're going to be going on is that they can do and see whoever they want they just can't lie about it when they get back to it they have to tell the truth and immediately they lie about it because they did not have fun we know that they did not have fun because we saw it She, Gail did not meet up with a friend, though I do think it's interesting that what she says that she did was social. She went out to meet up with some friends for a drink. And Mitch did not do what he said he did, which is talk to some people and do some dancing. He just stood there awkwardly by himself like a dork. (laughs) And neither one of them had fun. Neither one of them actually got what they're doing and both of them are instead lying to each other. So they're just, they cannot be truthful in this moment. They And they have no idea what they're doing. I don't know.
1: I don't know. It, just, yeah, All of it just felt really unfulfilling and mm-hmm. unhealthy. And I, yeah, I kind of, it's like, I don't really know what's going to happen next. I feel like they're kind of headed towards divorce. Potentially. If this, like, yeah, I feel like their communication just is deteriorating
3: more and more. Like those pillows. <laughs> One after another. <laughs> after another. <sighs> we have... On porch? Yeah, like a sweet
1: moment between them, Joey and Bessie. Um... I don't know. I don't really have much to say about this.
3: But it was a heartwarming sister moment. Yeah. Um I mean at first she's obviously she's like trying to fire Joey, but you know, I don't think she really wants to fire Joey. Yeah. Um
0: Yeah, I mean, I think this moment like kind of encompasses Mitch and Gil's relationship, but it is showing the other side of what that is. Like, Bessie doesn't want to fire Joey, but she's going through that motion because she's like, well, I want to hurt her in a way that she's hurt me. But Mm -hmm. then within the exact same scene, she realizes, that's wrong. Like, I'm doing this to lash out. And she actually becomes honest with her and says, you know what, like, this hurt my feelings. But at the same time, you're right. They find kind of like a mutual understanding and it gets wrapped up nicely, not even in an unrealistic way. It's like, oh, this is like how good communication happens between people that are even like against one another in that moment is they can find some kind of understanding between where they're both coming from and they do find that. And it is like a genuinely sweet moment because Bessie is like, I'm projecting like my... Like not not that her life is shitty, but it's like I'm forcing you to do my life, and that's not fair to you. And the fact that she can even come to that realization is like enormous. It shows that Bessie has like a lot of emotional maturity, and like she can like actually tell mm-hmm. when she's doing something that is uh, kind of gross. And uh, but also Joey is like smart enough and emotionally intelligent enough to be like, wow, like I I really appreciate you and everything that you've done, and I understand that even though sometimes I feel at odds with how you are kind of controlling me. I know you have my best interests and there's like nothing wrong with that. So I think, I mean, like this is, I think the show, Mike White, Dawson's Creek, like it's showing us like, oh, this is what Mitch and Gail could do if they were actually honest with each other yeah. and like understood where each person was coming from. So we're, like, again, like we're kind of like getting like a mirroring of like what those kind of relationships could be like.
2: Yeah, I I totally agree because... Both of them, Bessie and Joey, are, are coming from a place of hurt, right? Bessie, I think, is obviously hurt because of multiple reasons. One, she feels guilty for putting Joey through this kind of life, and also because Joey is kind of like, you know, complaining about the the life that they that she has, the fact that she has to take care of Alexander and work and go to school and all of these things. And I think Joey is hurt because she genuinely wants to help Bessie. You know, she talked to Laura, she got these financial advice. Laura wants to help out with the menus and the redesign and all that stuff. And Bessie kind of threw it back in her face. Both of them are hurt, but instead of doing what Mitch and Gail did, which is let's burn this house down and try to rebuild it from the ashes without any kind of plan, they instead articulate why how they're feeling not why they're feeling the way they are but how they are feeling and through that mutual communication they end up deepening their bond and kind of finding a common ground for the two of them to move forward on right because the end of it is this beautiful moment where joey says like you can't fire me i won't be fired because i'm not going anywhere and i love Mm -hmm. you you know it's like so touching to see as somebody who has an estranged relationship with their own sibling and wishes they could have had something like that you know it's really nice. Okay. Well.
1: Here we are. The final students turn in their projects. Um, I mean, this Pacey turning in the project was probably like the highlight of this episode for me. Um, I just feel like it's the most altruistic thing we've seen from him. Um, and maybe anyone, it just, it felt just like so thoughtful and really, really sweet. And it, yeah, made me feel, um, a little emotional and just like, it's like this potential of like all these things that we could see from him, you know, like he really mm-hmm. is deep down like a really good person and cares about Andy and, I'm and yeah.
3: Yeah, I think it was a nice follow-up to his conversation with, that he had with Jack. Yeah. And that, like, act, like showing that action of, like, he was listening mm-hmm. to what Jack said and then, you know, feels bad. So that was a good, like, show... Another good, like, show-don't-tell
4: mm-hmm.
3: moment.
0: Yeah, it feels like a really... It's the closing of his character arc. Uh, be, be it from this entire series or even just this episode, but, like, he... uh steps up when it's needed and he proves that he is not a slacker loser like he does something that's not just for himself but for somebody else and it's really beautiful to actually see him like pull through and do something
2: yeah i mean i thought that it was a really nice moment for him to come in and he, I, I love that he looks like shit Like, you can just see that he has been, he stayed up all night working on this project, right? He's bleary-eyed, his hair's all messed up, his shirt's all wrinkly, his clothes look bad.
3: Kind of rushes in at the end of class, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's late, exactly.
2: And I I just, I, I thought that that was a really nice moment of what we can only assume happened, is that he went there, he had that conversation with Jack, he has his whole vision kind of shaken, right? And what does he do? Instead of being like, oh, well, you know whatever i'll just kind of get by on a c or a d or whatever he's like actually i'm going to make it up to andy here because she needs some help now i'm finally thinking about everything that we've gone through today whatever for this project and he he uh you know he just kind of like rises above his circumstances like the theme of this whole episode to deliver on something better than he could have expected i just thought it was really nice
3: yeah i agree and i i'm looking forward to seeing like his next interaction with Andy next totally. you know next episode and to see how that progresses after yeah. her seeing him like do do that
2: yeah so. agreed
0: my only major disappointments from the sequence and the end of the episode besides tomorrow is uh <laughs> everything was so tightly written for these characters and the journeys that they go on, and then they learn a lesson to some extent uh the only thing is uh other than like Abby and Kenny is like Abby, like we reinforce the idea. Like she knows who she is. Mm. Kenny at the end, she just makes fun of him and everyone kind of laughs. And that's yeah. the yeah. end what of Kenny's is, story. Yeah. It's, I was expecting a little more, not that like I'm, it's okay for your something to not meet your expectations. That doesn't mean something's bad, but it seems like there must've been a deleted scene where it's like, Hey Kenny, you just got prom king or like, right. just like something yeah. to be like, oh, like, he's not a loser, or, like, maybe it shows him at the end of the episode going to his Viper, and he drives yeah. off. Like, oh, yeah, like, like something... There's, yeah, yeah, but we're just left at, like, yep, Kenny is a fucking loser, right? I, <laughs> Everyone just, like, laughs at him.
1: Yeah, I, like, the yeah. teacher just kind of, like, dismissing...
2: Yeah. What he says yeah. is just
1: like oh. And the
2: two true. jocks in the background are making fun of him as he's talking. They're like holding yeah. up their hands and like uh, the glasses uh, thing. It just felt weird. like, oh, okay, yeah, we're we're it's definitely still nineteen ninety eight and yeah, we make fun <laughs> of chubby people and nerds. Cool, <laughs> great. We're never gonna get past that. Yeah. You know, like that's how I felt. I was like, oh, okay, sick.
0: It's mm-hmm. weird when so many other lessons are learned. That is still left <laughs> as like,
2: yeah, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, where's <laughs> Abby's lesson? Like <laughs> yeah. yeah. She'll get it eventually, She'll I think. Maybe we'll see.
1: Well, the final, final shot, Tam-Tam. Yep, Tammy. there she is.
2: She's back, baby.
1: Um, I low-key got chills. <laughs> mm. I was like, oh, shit, things are about to get wild. I,
0: is there a word for angry chills? Yeah. yeah. Just like,
2: oh, oh I
1: want to know, like, did she come to the high school just to see him?
2: Right. Or was were they like, hey, we yeah. need you to return a book. Yeah, why
3: is she back?
2: <laughs> yeah, I got the same response that I think, Cody, you did from the sounds of it. I was just like, oh, great, she's <laughs> fucking back. We didn't have enough of this last season. Sweet.
1: I, I do think it'll be interesting knowing that, like, you know, Pacey has come a long way. Oh, yeah. And seeing how he'll handle this, I'm excited mm-hmm. for
2: I bet I'm going to make a prediction here that I almost feel like she's she is not even going to uh, insert herself into the situation because mm-hmm. I kind of got the feeling in that brief moment where we see her face in the rearview mirror. And then as the camera pulls further back, she gets up and looks over her shoulder at them. it She looks like hurt kind of sad maybe but i think she also is going to be like happy and not she doesn't want to mess things up for pacey because the whole thing at the end of the last of their last arc was she didn't want to fuck things up for pacey so i kind of feel like we got a almost like a red herring or a macguffin here she will come back this season but i don't think she's going to come back quite yet I think we just got a little reminder that Mm. Tamara, 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 Tamara Tamara exists.
3: I always remember because it's like tomorrow, tomorrow,
4: Mm.
3: tomorrow, um, we'll be back tomorrow. Funny coincidence. (laughs) Last night
1: we were two nights ago, we were watching Jeopardy and there was a Dawson's Creek clue, which we posted on our story, but someone playing Jeopardy was named Tamara.
2: Weird. Whoa. Weird. Yeah.
1: And then we were watching Party Down, and there was a James Vanderbeek reference, right?
0: Oh yeah, there was. And ah, uh, there was that other reference to well, not like a reference, but um, Megan Mullally's character talked about how uh, was it Megan Mullally's character that was like I met uh, my future husband at prom. And they're like, oh, who was it? Like, and she's like, oh, it was the coach? <laughs>
4: uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: that's funny. <laughs> Well that brings us to the end of the episode and moves us on to our ratings. Who would like to go first?
1: You want to go Cody? I'm so curious to know why that you thought this was your favorite episode.
0: I mean, yeah, I uh I'll go. Uh I'm giving it a 4.5. Uh the reason being is like I said earlier, like this really feels like uh there was a theme to this episode. It was cleanly written. Um it there was a start middle and end i thought that everything made sense even when characters didn't make sense it felt like it made sense for the purpose of the drama of the show uh i just thought it was really strong i mean like when i'm saying it's like a 4.5 i don't mean like right this was like the most engaging episode of tv but i was like i was like oh this is like the best version of what this can be mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i'm happy that like none of it none of it felt like fluff except for the kenny thing it was like yeah. that was the only thing yeah. where I was like, this feels like it's um they're just like there's no real reason for this to happen except to for him to be the butt of the joke for Abby, just to mm-hmm. reinforce that Abby is mean. Like it's like a totally secondary character kind of thing. Um and also a lower rating because like there really wasn't uh like it felt like there was deleted scenes. They would have like added a little more to like why Joey is suddenly hanging out with Laura or why Mission and yeah. Gail are um, so quick to like take on a uh, date night.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah. aside from that, yeah, like I thought it was a very strong episode.
4: Yeah.
2: Fair.
3: I am going to give it a 4.5 as well. Um, loved the character development for Joey and Pacey specifically. Yeah. Um, also, I thought the class project was an interesting way to explore relationships between characters and mirroring of different relationships. Um, and, I mean, that's kind of, I don't know, other than that, just the mm-hmm. same thing, just like the structure of the episode was well done. And, yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm going to say uh 4.25. Um, overall, I thought it was a, a really strong episode. Um, really just didn't like, the Mitch and Gale plot um and even yeah I really liked the way that the project brought these people together um and seeing the different dynamics really don't like this path we're on for Jen um but overall I mean like it it feels like it will have a purpose and um yeah, overall, loved, loved, loved the Pacey bit at the end. That was like a big highlight for me. And yep, that's all.
2: Cool. Well, I hate to be um, a contrarian here, but I'm going to be giving this episode a 2.67. Um,
1: Whoa. Wow. Yeah,
2: I, I actually do enjoy this episode quite a bit. I think it is f- pretty pretty good. Um. But I also really didn't enjoy, like significantly did not enjoy several moments of this episode. I would be willing to bet that the moments of discomfort I felt were intentional. Um, and I do give it its flowers for having a visceral reaction from me. But I uh, just continue to go back to feeling like the, we're making progress on the types of plots and the way that we're weaving our plots together. Um, I just really don't, did not understand the Mitch and Gale subplot. And I thought that it was kind of lazy and I wish it didn't happen. It made me laugh a lot of times and it got me some good, uh, some good clips. And I guess on that note, I did take 43 clips for this episode. So I think that is a world record for me so far. So I don't know, maybe, you know, my experience watching it, it multiple times has impacted my rating but yeah I just so far this is my least favorite episode of the season mm-hmm. um, and I'm very excited to see where it goes and I think we got some good things coming out of it but that's the rating I gave it And with that, we move on to recommendations. So I will go first, as is tradition. Last will be first. Isn't there a biblical verse about that? I am God. Um, (laughs) So on that note, I'm actually going to be recommending a video game that is yet to release. It will be releasing sometime in June. It is a video game by the name of Diablo 4, made by Bethesda, and I believe Activision is now involved in this somehow. However, with that said, Diablo is a video game franchise that I have been involved with literally release since the very first game was released i've been i've played every version of this game and i've long been awaiting the release of diablo 4 it's an action rpg where you create a character in this crazy gothic demonic world where hell and humanity uh you're kind of t- you're caught between this war between angels and demons and you play a very large part in this war the 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 steps that they're taking forward are are very, very impressive, and I think that we're going to see, just like we do with every time a Diablo game gets released, a huge resurgence in the action RPG genre. A lot of games are going to be benefiting from the things they're doing here, and I just really love the world. Like I said, this kind of angels and demons, you're caught between them. It's very cool and very fun. Um, and seeing the world uh, of hell kind of brought into our world really makes me think of this amazing song that I know called Hell mm. by Uh-oh. King Lizard and the Gizzard. King-, King, Lizard. King, Lizard. King Lizard. King Gizzard and the Lizard <laughs> Wizard. It's off of their album, Infest the Rat's Nest, from 2017. And I hope that you all will go and listen to it. It's amazing.
1: I will go. Um, I am going to recommend earlier mentioned Haley, friend of the show. She is uh, an amazing person overall. Um, she is very talented, and over a little bit over a year ago, she started uh, making stained glass. Um, she she's taught herself for the most part is incredible. She does it all she can do animals she's done some ufos she's done some uh she made us a a monstera leaf when she first started that's very beautiful hanging up in our house um she's done some really sexy pieces um she can do custom pieces for you you should check her out she has an instagram and an etsy glass grass and ass that is glass Grass and ass. Um, yeah, give her give her Insta a follow and check out her Etsy.
3: Cool. Will do. <laughs> I'll go next. <laughs> um, I am sticking with my bird theme from last episode. I'm going to recommend an IG account called Avian Behavior. It's an account run by bird behavior expert Hillary Hankey. Um, She posts educational videos about bird behavior with birds like parrots, owls, ravens, vultures, toucans, um, kind of bigger birds. Um, It's pretty cool stuff. Uh, She posts a lot about a white naped raven that she has that's very cool. One of my favorites. Um, And just check it out. It's good stuff.
2: Do you know how behavior is spelled? Is it spelled the European way with a U or is it? No,
3: I think it's it's B-E-H-A-V-I-O-R.
2: That's what I believe as well. Okay.
3: Um, I'm also uh, going to give an update on the big bear bald eagle cam that I talked about last episode. Um, Sadly, the eggs did not hatch, but Jackie and Shadow are still active at the nest, so you can still go and look um, at the live feed. Uh, The eagle specialists are saying that they're still showing signs of being in nesting mode, Mm -hmm. which means Jackie may lay another clutch of eggs, so... Go check it out. Um, There are also apparently two nocturnal flying squirrels that visit, (gasps) named Fiona and Fast Freddy, that people have been enjoying watching. They uh, live nearby and they visit at night to scavenge for like food, leftover food that the eagles are have left. Very cute. Yeah. Whoa, Fast Freddy.
2: It's funny that you mentioned them because though those eagles have been making the rounds on the internet actually this week because some news you know like Buzzfeed type thing picked up a video of Shadow bringing Jackie a stick yes. for the nest as uh-huh. as, a, as a gift and then and then uh, Jackie flying off and Shadow yeah. taking her place which is an yeah. uncommon characteristic of male eagles to kind of help take care of the eggs. This is what Mal talked about brief, last week, yeah. so or and, last episode, so, yeah.
3: Yeah, and there's uh, there's actually a separate webpage where you can, like, read. There's more, that they're, they're writing, kind of educating people about what is going on at the nest, so. Very cool. Yeah, check it out.
0: Uh, more of a personal request for this one, but old buddy of mine, Lou, uh, was recently diagnosed with stage 4 Hodgkin's lymphoma, and... Thankfully, his health team is really positive about his chances for a cure, but he's looking at six months of biweekly chemo and won't be able to work that entire time because of how awful the side effects are. And plus his cancer isn't covered by Oregon's short-term disability, which really puts his family in a tough spot financially. So we're going to put a link to his GoFundMe page in the podcast show notes. I know everyone says this, but every bit helps, even if it's just like five bucks. Uh, Lou really is like the sweetest guy and it really breaks my heart what him and his family are going through. So it would mean a lot if our listeners could throw some money his way. He deserves it.
2: Yeah, everybody who is listening right now, go ahead and hit that little I button on your podcast player. It'll open up the show notes, find the link to the GoFundMe and at least just open it up and look at it. Share it with your friends if you can't donate, but please feel free to throw anything. Like Cody said, anything helps. Thank you.
1: Well... Next time on Freaks and Creeks, we will be talking about season two, episode four, Tamara's Return. Tamara's Return dredges up unresolved feelings in Pacey as Joey struggles for independence from Dawson.
2: Independence from Dawson. Uh, Can't wait. I guess... Can just my, skip that one? Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I guess my whole prediction has to go out the window if the whole next episode is titled Tomorrow's Return." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So,
4: Wow,
2: that did not last long. Mm-hmm. All right, well, on that note, we are going to go ahead and leave so we can watch that episode. Thank you all so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, go ahead and subscribe to our show and join us as we continue to set sail through Dawson's Creek one episode at a time. If you want more Freaks content, please visit our website, freaksandcreeks.com, and find us on Instagram, at Pod. Or you could just write us an email at showandfreaksandcreeks.com. But until next time,
4: bye-bye! Bye. bye-bye, 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 bye-bye.